right, Justin, sing me a song that makes you think about America. A song that makes me think about America. America, fuck yeah. Something, something, I don't remember the lyrics. You can suck my dick and lick my balls. It's America, fuck yeah. Whatever, from (laughs) Team America. We'll go with that. All right, Justin. All right. I, You will get points. How many you get will be determined in a little bit. Heather, what about you? Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't think I know that song, but um, a song that makes me think about whoa, America. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? You don't know the song from Team America? I oh. don't. Sorry. Oh, man. Are you now saying I have to sing the sad one? You've never seen a Team America? I have not. Sorry to disappoint. What the fuck are we even doing here? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, now we have to stop so that you can go watch Team America. Pretty much. <laughs> You're going to make me cool. sing the sad version of the song now, Heather. America. There's a sad version. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. And the part of the movie when yeah. everything's down. There's yeah. a there's a sad version of it. Yeah, you would know that if you'd seen that fucking great movie. <laughs> I think that the weird thing about that movie is probably that like I've probably never disagreed with Roger Ebert more in my life than about that movie. <laughs> he hated it. I think he gave it like one star or like half a star out of five. He hated it. Mm. I think it's fucking fantastic. Anyway, Heather, go ahead and sing some song. You're not going to get any points. I'm going to tell you that now, but go ahead and sing whatever. Oh, no. Then why play the game? I'm just saying. You haven't seen Team America. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. Oh, boy. Well, okay. Something that makes me think about America Honestly, the um, childish Gambino, the this is America. Don't catch you slipping now. This is America. I love that song. You know what? You would have gotten points if you had seen Team America. Then you should still give them to me. No, you get no points still. But you would have. You would have gotten like three points. And you just get none. You get no points. You know, it's terribly unfair. But because Justin's saying America, fuck yeah. And like, I think it's called the bum down remix or something like that. Or the uh, the bummer remix. He's saying both of those. Justin, this is probably a one time only thing. But you're going to get six points. Whoa. Wow. Hell yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, you get six points. And the disappointment name Heather gets none. Wow. Harsh. You haven't seen Team America. I just don't even I have understand. not. I just don't even understand. It's not like I said I watched it and I didn't like it. You know, I'd almost rather that. Oh, really? You would give okay. it a chance. You at least would understand. You'd be wrong. I'm not saying I wouldn't give it a chance. You I just have never wrong, seen it. But you gave it a chance. And as of right now, 
That movie's just sitting there being chanceless by you. Not chanceless. I just didn't really know anything about it. Wait, see, what? that's even worse. You don't know anything about it? Even worse. Well, cool. Well, congrats for those six points, Jackson. Whoop, whoop. I really thought Childish Gambino was going to get me some points. It would have. It really would have. But you just desecrated everything that is righteous and holy in this world right before Wow. Cool. Well, this is a fun game for me. You know, it's not a fun game for me. This is probably one of the worst experiences playing this game I've ever had. Wow. Okay. Not only wow. did way Justin to... get six points. but Heather... As if you don't have a way to keep that from being the case. <laughs> but Heather did her damnedest to just take the joy out of the game. Wow. I did? I took the joy out of the game? Almost. If Justin hadn't come okay. through with the save and done both versions of America, fuck yeah, it would have been joyless. Wow. Okay. So thank you, Justin. Thank you, sir. Man, you're welcome. Just sitting over there like John Stockton with all the assists right now. <laughs> Man. Just coming in and taking over the game like he's fucking playoff Rondo. Exactly, man. I feel like I'm one of those American paintings, those patriotic paintings where the, where the guy's on a horse and he's got a machine gun and <laughs> uh, and he's draped in an American flag and, and high five all this Jesus. patriotism. Yep, high five Jesus and while a, a bunch eagle. of women, yeah, while bald eagle is on my perched on my shoulder and all the women are swooning. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. You should. You should. I don't even want to get into how you should be feeling, Heather. Well, whatever it is, I'm feeling all of those things. Okay. You know what? You'll get one point because I can't hold your terribleness against Childish Gambino and that great song. Thanks. Oh, okay. So you'll get a point, Heather. That's not fair okay. to Childish Gambino and that song. Oh, wow. <laughs> The fact that you said my terribleness, that's, this has really struck a chord with you. It has. That's a fucking fantastic movie. I have zero I idea if it holds up because I have not watched it in a little while, but I just have nothing but fun. But memories. you're so strong on like the fact that I've never seen it. There's just something about it though. Like when it starts off and it's all America, fuck yeah. It just sets the tone of perfection right away. <laughs> like you, 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 you can say whatever you want about the movie. The songs that they wrote for that movie are fucking balls ass amazing. I might watch that tonight after we're done recording. Oh my god, I'm trying to think of the one that uh, Kim Jong Il song. What, what was well, it? Without using the slightly stereotypic like almost racist version of words it's i'm so lonely that's right that's right okay i won't say that but yes that just think of any stereotypical just, asian accent and it's i'm so lonely replace what letters are typically replaced in that and you'll know what it is i mean i'm only really having to explain this to heather 
Because she's like the only person in the world that hadn't fucking seen it. Oh boy. And I know this is slightly off topic, but it's still slightly on topic. Did you know Childish Gambino slash Donald Glover is getting sued for uh, This Is America? Oh, really? Yeah. There was another rapper Hmm. that sang a song like Made in America or something like that. And he's like, he stole my song idea. And if you listen to those songs Mm -hmm. back to back, the one similarity they have is the word America. And that's about it. Like the beats, not the Hmm. same. The words aren't anywhere near the same. Like, it's just like, oh, this guy's just trying to get some money and he's shitty about it. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it's not even remotely close. Like, you can be tone deaf and have no rhythm. I mean, shit, honestly, you can just be deaf and you would know the difference. You could just feel the difference in those songs coming out of the speakers. Anyway, are you guys ready to talk about this this show and move on and play our intro music and all that shit? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we will be talking about the Disney Plus TV series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. And we will go spoiler-free, then give our recommendations and scores, and then go into a more spoiler-centric section. And with all that, there will be time codes in the description that will let you know where to jump around to if you are so inclined to jump around. Jump up, jump up, and get down. Fuck you guys. I thought that was an amazing joke. And on that note, (laughs) I got it. We'll go with the bummer right now, Heather. Wow. And her thought. Excuse me. I actually laughed at your little joke that you did. Not audibly. So. I did. I was laughing on this. You knew I was laughing. I didn't hear it. Did you hear it, Justin? It was like a little chuckle. Oh, a little chuckle. So it <laughs> went from a laugh to a chuckle now. I see. I see. Same thing. Not even close. A little. <laughs> I wouldn't call that laughing. Just, just a little chuck chuck. He wanted an eruption of laughter from you. Like, it was, <laughs> like that. It was still amusing, though. You didn't erupt, though. You need to erupt. Erupt with laughter. Yeah, I'm thinking like Mount Vesuvius style of eruption, of laughter. Dang. Boy, he's talking about a life-changing, civilization-changing eruption. I mean, dude, that was world-changing, <laughs> dude. The amount of ash it threw up, man, changed the world. World. All right, Heather, what are your thoughts about this show? <laughs> um, my thoughts. Okay, so I was, I did go into this looking forward to it, especially after seeing WandaVision because I thought they did such a great job with that show. And I was just like, you know what? If this is what they're bringing with their first 
television series for Marvel, like I feel like the other stuff's going to be great too. So I went in expecting pretty good things and I was not disappointed. I think this was a really great show. I think it was, um, it, it was very strong, uh, more toward, I would say the latter half of it's a little bit stronger than the beginning half, but it was strong enough all around to really just be something I would watch again. And I mean, I know it's not really a comparison thing, but I think that the finale is actually better than the WandaVision finale for me. I think it was an excellent finale episode. I think there were a couple of things and some tone tonal shifts and just kind of um, a few things pacing wise that weren't my favorite in this one. But overall, I just think that they really embodied like the spirit of the Captain America movies and the spirit of the Marvel world. And it did feel like the Captain America movies. So I, I think that they did a really great job with that. Anthony Mackie, like every time I see him now, I just am more and more impressed with him. I thought he was good in the movies, the the other Marvel movies, but I never was really like, he, he was never really a focal point for me as far as the superheroes go. But man, he was so great in this. He was a fantastic Falcon and just his progression and his storyline throughout the series was really, really cool to watch. And it really just kind of, again, kind of like what we said with WandaVision, some of these characters that didn't have as much screen time or as big of story arcs in the movies really get to shine here. And I think Anthony Mackie's character, Sam, is definitely one of those. And I've always been a a big fan of um, Sebastian Stan. I think he's a great actor and he's, he's really good as Bucky, but yeah, he, their dynamic together is amazing. I think he has just some kind of like natural charisma about him that really just makes the dynamic between the two of them work really well. And yeah, I just, I, I really, I loved the casting they did. I think, um, and even Wyatt Russell, I mean, honestly, he was amazing in this. He was so good. I don't really care what anybody else says. I think he was a fantastic John Walker slash Captain America, if you will, whatever. But I think he did such a good job as his character in this. I think he was wonderful. So I have no complaints about any performances or even the action, I think, some of the action in this I really enjoyed more than um, WandaVision's kind of thing. So it it was just really enjoyable. And it just kind of really reminded me of sort of the magic of those Captain America movies, honestly. So I, I give this movie a really... It, it's really good. I give this a, a lot of props. And I think it was a really top-notch show overall. Justin, what about you? Yeah, man, Marvel, Marvel Studios, just proving me right again. Just, just y'all, just keep impressing me, and y'all just keep expanding this universe, and y'all just keep like, man, I, I'm just gonna come to the table every time. Whatever series comes out, Loki, whatever is coming next, I'm, I'm there for it. They released a bunch of dates for a bunch of upcoming projects and movies coming out. And I, now I just, I have to live. I have to find a way to guarantee 
I'm going to be alive to see all of this stuff that they're going to come out with because I got to see it like that. That's the kind of stuff that they're putting out. This is just this is must watch stuff to me like this is must watch entertainment. You're you're going to be hard pressed to find too many things that just too many like narratives, TV series and things like that, that just seem to just satisfy and just check all the boxes and just satisfy in so many different ways. So man, dude, I just have the utmost faith in Marvel studios. If Marvel studios was a person, then that person would need to run for president because they don't let me down. They don't let me down. But that's just how I walked out feeling about this. Like this to me was was great. It was an excellent uh, follow up to what we got in WandaVision because WandaVision was impressive. WandaVision was artistic. WandaVision told this interesting story. And then and and, you know, and, and WandaVision was just so reflective and thought provoking. And I was like, man, I really hope that Falcon and the Winter Soldier does some of the same things. And even though it's it's monumentally different as far as the way it told the story, I think this story is much more straightforward. You know, it doesn't have it. There, there isn't a mystery so much to unravel with this as it was in WandaVision. That wasn't the style of it. But man, this is bold. This this made a lot of brave decisions. It talked about a lot of sensitive subjects and had the courage to address some of those things. And I mean, and the thing I think I want people to understand about that is that they don't have to do that. Like this is, you know, don't get me wrong. This is still comic book stuff. This is still Marvel superheroes. And this is still kind of just, um, you know, this is make believe fictional characters and stuff like that. And we know that there's a level of like entertainment value that comes with comics, with comics and superhero characters and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff, you know, a lot of it can be considered kiddie and stuff like that. You know, we've got children versions of Marvel stuff that's been coming out for years and stuff like that. And they can make money off of that stuff. They don't have to address social or cultural issues in these things. They don't have to address those things with their characters. They could have left all that out and still found a way to tell a story that would have been satisfactory. But you got to give it to them for wanting to do that, for wanting to cross those lines, for wanting to say something beyond just what they could easily say that's uh, um, with these characters in a simplistic way or with these characters in a fun way and stuff like that. They they seem to want to really try to tell engaging, thought-provoking stories and stories that you can really, like, relate to and talk about. And it, they're relevant for today's times, just all of that stuff. And I just really appreciate that they're not afraid to incorporate their characters into things like that and tell these stories. And even though it's a risk with the way... America can be so divisive on issues and things like that. You got to hand it to them for being brave enough to still address and talk about some of those things. And that's what Winter Soldier does. Falcon and the Winter Soldier does. Um, What Heather said is true, man. All of the actors show up to this project 
And like you said, like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan are great in this. Their chemistry is great. Um, there are times where this definitely feels like the buddy cop odd couple type of show. And that's, and, and from the previews, I, I smelled that that was what I was going to get. I felt like there would be a little of that, but man, these characters are so compelling. And just like what we talked about with WandaVision, where, you know, you could argue that in the original MCU timeline with the, with the MCU movies and stuff like that, these were characters that weren't as interesting or compelling because our focus was on other characters like Tony Stark, like Steve Rogers and stuff like that. So these were a lot of like side characters or characters that they start as an antagonist, but then become, you know, the, some of these characters have made transitions and stuff, but we didn't get as much of their story in the movies. So I, I feel like a pattern is developing here. And what Marvel is kind of doing is they're, they're, you're seeing these characters transition from one point in the story to another. And you're seeing them kind of grow into these new characters, take on these new roles and kind of mature the, their, their worldview, their, and their value to this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and just the superhero team, the Avengers in general and stuff like that. And you're seeing the growth and progression of these stories. And to me, it's wonderful. This has, like we said, great actor from everybody. And I agree. Wyatt Russell as, um, as the Captain America in this, the U.S. agent, whatever you want to uh, call him in reference in the show, man, he was great in this. A lot of times... I thought he was the best actor in this. And then there were times where, man, his story was just so compelling. I thought he did a great job as this John Walker character. And the progression of that character was one of the things I enjoyed most about this series. Uh, like you said, the, the action is great in this. Like, and, and that is something that I will say this has over WandaVision. There, there's hardly an episode that is devoid of at least one action sequence, but all the action scenes are interesting. They take place in different, in, they give you different backgrounds or set pieces. The way that the characters fight, like I love the way that Sam fights. You, the use of his wings and using the rocket pack jet propulsion to send him backwards and forwards and dodge moves and stuff. Like it's just fighting it's very imaginative choreography and it's very interesting to watch like even though yeah marvel has its fair share of jump cuts and stuff like that but they're always doing something interesting with the camera they're always doing something interesting with the fights whether the two people are in a tight knit space or so you just never feel like you're getting the same thing over and over and that's like a testament to them and their knowledge of the characters and how they have the characters react to different situations and fights and stuff like that. It's all just stuff you would envision that character doing. So all of that um, is great in this, in this movie, I mean, movie in this series. And, and yeah, I do think I understand where you're coming from, Heather, when you talked about the, the ending of this series, like, with WandaVision, we were we were we all agreed that we were satisfied with that ending, and it and it was definitely satisfying. And we talked about the loose ends that were that were that left untied on purpose, and 
the the kind of the anticipation we had to see where Wanda's story goes. And I do, and I yeah. will um, agree with you though, when it came to the ending of this, there was something just to me a little more satisfying about it. There was just something a little more satisfying about Sam's growth in this, Bucky's growth in this, where the characters wind up and where like you, you and you wonder where things are going, but in a good way. And just some of the messages and some of the people getting their just dues and things like that, even though it does leave some loopholes and it does leave some things open overall, the character arcs that needed to be to that needed to get to a certain point, they got there. And I, and I will agree. I did walk away from this slightly more satisfied than I walked away from WandaVision and, and, and for different, and that doesn't necessarily mean I think that this is better than WandaVision, but just my immediate feelings coming out of this, man, that that was such an emotional ending that that was very emotional on several different levels, which I'm sure we'll uh, get into in the spoilers, but for, but I don't want to talk too long here. So I'll just end it with, yeah, this was, uh, again, this is another home run for Marvel. This needed to be good. And like you said, Heather, it's definitely in the spirit of the Captain America movies. And now when you look at the Captain America series and the Captain America movies, like when if you just looked at all of this as one collection, like you go from Captain America, the first Avenger, and you go all the way through this um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like the Captain America stuff is some of the best comic book stuff ever. Like when you think about Winter Soldier, when you think about Civil War and you think about this, like the Captain America universe, if you will, the people just directly involved with that, like these guys, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Captain America, um, now John Walker, like all of these people, it is some of the best stuff in comic book cinema history to me. So, yeah, um, obviously I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Overall, I would say I liked this. I have one big glaring problem with the story, and I'll get into that in the spoiler section because I do have to just talk about some of the minutiae, some of the stuff. But overall, I do think it's it's very well made. I love how creative they get with the way the Falcon especially fights. Everyone else fought like super soldiers because like everybody else in this movie is all fucking super soldiered up and shit. They all fight like a super soldier. I like that it's like Justin said, he's he's like using his jetpack and his wings whilst fighting but then i really loved his training montage it very much reminded me of like yeah. stories i've heard about uh steph curry practicing practicing his shots like apparently one of the things that makes steph curry so incredibly amazing with how he shoots is he like artificially creates hard shots for himself when he's practicing like he'll do shots when he's like falling to his side or something like, you know, like he's like falling or doing all these different things and like out of different moves and stuff to make them more difficult just so he can be better at like a more in-game situation. And I really liked that with, with what Falcon was doing here while trying to throw 
the like shield while flipping and doing stuff like that because he understands a lot of his fighting style that he's naturally good at has some aerobatic uh acrobatics in it it has some flips it has this and that because that's naturally what he does more so he wanted to practice throwing the shield while doing that to play into the way he fights i'm i just it was one of those like little attention to details that i'm like i'm glad they had that in there and just not that's him a just good point throwing shit yeah which i would have been perfectly fine if it was just him throwing the shield and shit but i really liked how it showed how it played into how he fights and i was just like that's so cool that they did that uh i think all the acting in this was top notch i mean wyatt russell was great Although Wild Russell, White Russell, just I understand you had to shave your beard because of this, but if you come back again as U.S. agent, keep your beard, bro. <laughs> it's just night and day difference. <laughs> keep your beard. Um, I, I maybe I've just watched the wrong stuff with Anthony Mackie, but he was so good in this. Like he's generally yeah. good. Oh, but all the like subtlety and nuance he was throwing in this. I'm like, there you go. That's nice. What's his name? Daniel Brule or whatever. Something like that. Uh, playing Zemo. Yeah. He, he was fantastic. Oh, Zemo was great. You know, he was he was just delightful. Apparently that whole dance scene was just ad-libbed. Like that wasn't in the script. <laughs> That's awesome. He just did it. Because like in his mind, he's like, you know, Zemo's kind of that you know, Germanic type of European. And, you know, they love dancing. And he's been in prison for years. He's like, he would just dance. He's on a dance floor. He'd do some dancing. So that's why he did it. Um, You know, and I, I like that. I mean, Sebastian Stan was great. Um, I mean, just everybody in this, like, brought their A game. And that's always a nice thing to see. You know, I mean... Like, cause it'd be so easy for it to be like, and just in general, like even the showrunner and the scriptwriter, the director, Kevin Feige, they all brought their A game with this because it's so easy just to go, nah, we're just going to tell a little bit of a story, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, just do some superhero shit. It'd be so easy for him to do that. Nobody would even really blame them for doing that. Mm-hmm. Cause like Justin said, it's a superhero show. <laughs> That's what it is. So, like, just do some superhero shit. But they get into so much nuance with when it comes to, like, refugees. And once again, just going into the shit that I was wondering if Marvel was going to do after Endgame. You know, I was not high on Endgame. And I was very curious as to how they were really going to tackle the quote-unquote ramifications of what Infinity War and Endgame would have been. And I had little to no hopes about it after seeing Spider-Man. I was like, oh, they're just going to brush it off and keep going. But then, you know, you get that episode three. Was it episode three? No, episode four of WandaVision. And they dropped some of it in. And then in this, you're seeing a different perspective of it. You know, in WandaVision, you get a little bit more of the perspective of the people that were, you know, that were um, among the blip, if you will. And in this, 
you got a little bit more of the 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 side of the people that were left behind and all this stuff and i loved how and i know this is a slight spoiler but it really just kind of i think isn't necessarily a spoiler at the end of the show when falcon's talking about how you know they need to do right about with the displaced people that weren't blipped away and with the people that were blipped away and somebody's like well how do we do that and he's like i don't know like more or less like that's not my job like you're the politicians you're the people in power that's y'all's job you just have to actually be willing to make the tough decisions and i really just love that you know especially because like justin said it would have been so easy just to be like, this is a superhero show. And they went places that I think four years ago, Disney wouldn't have even dreamed of fucking going. Mm-hmm. And they went into it full steam ahead in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, uh, we'll get into some of the more nuanced aspects of that and spoilers, but it was just kind of refreshing that they went, hey guys, you know the superhero shit? And everybody's like, yeah. And they're like, we're going to actually get into some racial identity stuff with it and they did and they're going to get into geopolitics with it and all this other stuff and you're like all right like you know like i said were all aspects of the way they did it hits no but fuck they were willing to do it holy shit this is comic book shit now i understand the comic books haven't been afraid to go that way and that's fine that's kind of the way comics have been I think we've talked about it before with all these people talking about getting their politics or getting this and that out of, you know, your comic books. And it's like, well, go look at what the fucking X-Men were, you dumb jackasses. Like, <laughs> like, are we really doing this? It's, you know, they've done that before in the comics, but they've never really come that close to doing it in the movies. I know people would argue that Black Panther was, and I don't think it really was. <laughs> Not like this, just for the sheer fact that just because it had a lot of people of color and a lot of black people in it doesn't necessarily mean that you were touching on racial issues. Like, that's a different beast to me. Because also Wakanda is in Africa. It just makes sense. Like, it's not. <laughs> I don't really think that that was Disney, like, trying to be woke, if you will. I think that they were actually Kevin Feige was more concerned about just making a more authentic Black Panther movie. And which would be mainly black people. Let's just be real about it. I know a lot of people would have rather there been a bunch of white people in it. But those people are also what we call stupid. But it was just really kind of intriguing to see some of the places that they were willing to go in this. Even if it was sometimes on a more superficial level. They were kind of going there. And I don't necessarily give Disney props for that. As much as I, because I think as far as Disney goes, that's more of a virtual, uh, like a virtue signaling thing. But I do think that Kevin Feige and the showrunner and writers for this show do deserve some credit for that. And yeah, it's very intriguing. Um, Just in general, uh, I'll I'll start wrapping this up. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I'm really enjoying Marvel TV right now. I really am. This MCU television shit, really liking what they're doing with it. And every time I see one of these, I'm kind of more fucking pumped for it. fucking Moon Knight. 
Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Getting those six episodes in with that Moon Knight. You know, with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke slash Josh Hartnett, whoever the fuck it is. I'm getting excited about it. Maybe, <laughs> hopefully by then I'll know the difference between the two. Just a real clear difference, but okay. I don't know what you mean. They are literally both slices <laughs> of white bread. How do you tell slices of white bread like different from like another one? Do you oh guys boy. are you guys just like Batman level detectives? That you're like these are obviously two different slices of white bread. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> wow. But I don't know. We'll see. That's all I know. But I I am excited by this, and I was outside of like I said, there's one big major flaw in this show. Outside of that, I did really enjoy it. So, recommendations and scores, guys? Yep. Yep. Recommendations and scores. All right, Justin, go. All right. Yeah, I definitely recommend this, especially if you're just looking for um, just some 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 good quality TV um, in your TV series. I mean, this is well shot. It's it's well directed. There's great action. It's got interesting characters. So it's got everything that you would want in a little mini series like this. Um, if you're somebody who maybe you haven't seen it yet, maybe you're um, still iffy on the the MCU TV stuff, and you're like, "Well, I was just a movie guy or gal. I don't, I don't know about this stuff." You need to start watching this stuff. This stuff is great. It's it, it's in the spirit of everything that you like about those movies, except in a lot of ways, it gets to focus on just a few people. It gets to isolate them and really develop them and get you to care about them even more than maybe you did. So, yeah, I think that this is something. And then this one is so culturally relevant for today's times. A lot of the stuff talked about in this is going on now politically. The the conversations that these characters are having and some of the realizations that they come to and the things that they have to face in this. Like we talked about, there's geopolitical stuff in this. There's racial identity stuff in this. There's, um, you know, there, there's all kinds of stuff about like labels and how we, the, the, what we define as a terrorist and, and, and the way that we put labels on people and stuff like that. And like uh, how, how that affects our worldview, our view of other people, different things like that. And just that, that whole conversation about finding perspective and finding empathy and, um, the, and coming together and trying to understand different people and how they see things, all of that stuff is in here. And this will be something where years later, you'll be able to go back to it and say, man, the, Look how relevant these things were to what was going on. Look at the some of the issues that it raises and look how it still can affect things today. I think that this is one of those where because of what the issues that it raises, it'll probably stand the test of time. You know, it'll be one of those we look back and go, man, it's a good thing things aren't like that anymore. Or we'll look back and go, man, man, some of the stuff is still like that. But either way, I just feel like still it's just relevant to all of that. And it's weird to be saying all of that when this is supposed to be superhero stuff. You know, you think that the conversation would be a little lighter than this. But 
the good thing about this is that this isn't preachy. It's not. It doesn't do it in a stupid, condescending way. It's not trying to be quote-unquote woke or do something to where it's trying to push push you to a certain side. I think it really just kind of puts things out there and says, look, this is what we are doing and let's challenge each other to be better. And sometimes that's the best thing you can do. We don't have the solution, but we got to keep fighting until we get to it, you know? And, and sometimes that's just the best message that you can possibly give. And then, um, but, but on top of that, you do get all that superhero stuff it's got the epic music. It's got superheroes doing superheroing. It's got villains and stuff like that. But these villains are, they're nuanced. They have stories. They have things that they're trying to do. And these characters go back and forth. And you can understand uh, all of these character motivations. You can understand why people are doing what they're doing. So you get that superhero stuff. But it is very nuanced, it's very mature, and it's just a very well-told story, and it's entertaining. The pacing of it is good. It knew when to slow down, when to speed up. It was just, and it's such an easy watch. Like, even on my second watch through, no episode is tough to get through. The dialogue is engaging. I mean, it's just, you know, this is not something that you struggle to watch. It's just such an easy breezy watch or at least it was for me so um yeah all in all i think this is definitely an a i took off 10 points for some things narratively that i think could have been better and i'll uh get into some detail in our spoiler section but uh i, I was only able to deduct 10 points because it's good enough to me quality wise though to deserve an a so i'm gonna go with 90 uh bloody Captain America shields for the whole world to see out of a hundred. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Justin on that. Um, the, the magic of this show for me is that it works as a Marvel universe show, of course, but even if it wasn't part of the Marvel universe, the storyline and the action and everything that was going on would have made a good show just stand alone on its own. And I think that that's kind of a cool thing about it is, um, you know, I could have my mom who doesn't watch the Marvel stuff, you know, or not till recently, like she could have watched this and picked up mostly what was going on without a whole ton of backstory needed beforehand. And I think that that's clever and I think it's smart to do it that way. Um, of course, it's always going to be more intriguing if you've seen the other things in the Marvel Universe, but it's not one of those where you have to watch all the things before it to fully grasp what's going on. Sure, you should definitely watch the Captain America ones and all of that, but it's, for me at least, and, and maybe you guys disagree, but I feel like it works as a standalone show as well. Um, so I think that it just has all those elements that you're looking for. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's just a good suspense action thriller, you know, TV show. So um, I definitely recommend it. I think it's really well done. And I, even though it wasn't a perfect show, I think there were some parts that were a little bit lacking. Um, overall, it really was really substantial and really good. And I think, especially in the latter half of the show, 
a lot of what they did was really memorable and really great and really put it up there for me as far as, um, you know, television shows go. So I am going to agree with Jason on this. I'm going to give this um, 90 staring contests between Bucky and Sam out of 100. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll recommend it. I'm kind of wanting to go ahead and get in the spoiler, so I'm going to make this brief. Watch it if you haven't watched it. Watch it again if you have watched it. It's really good. Um, I'll give it. I'll give it 88. White Russell's. You really need a beard out of 100. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. All right. I'm going to start this off with my big problem with this show. And ultimately, my issue with the show is that if you watched Endgame and then you end up watching, like, say, Captain America 4 when it comes out and you never watch this, nothing really changes for you. Like, Wanda and Vision, in WandaVision, a lot of shit changed for them as characters. You know, Wanda becoming now the Scarlet Witch and having all these magical powers and all this shit. And Vision being resurrected as now Ghost Vision and all this other shit. There's a lot of things that changed in that. To where you can't watch in-game then watch, I guess now, Doctor Strange. Or I guess, I don't know, whenever the next time Scarlet Witch shows up. And just be like, oh, there's no difference. And with that, and why it's an issue with this, is because if you watch in-game... And it ends. Cap is giving Falcon the shield. And Bucky's just kind of standing there. And then in Captain America 4, it's going to be Falcon as Captain America. And Bucky's going to be a sidekick. Just like it pretty much was at the end of Endgame. And while we know by watching this that stuff changed in a way. But for people that didn't watch this and just watching the movies. It's not really changing anything. Outside of maybe Sharon Carter being the power broker, that's the only big revelation or big real change in this. I mean, it it's kind of depend on if Wyatt Russell does come back as U.S. agent or something like that. But outside of that, as a whole, the universe really didn't change in this between those movies. And I do have a slight problem with that. Like, it kind of reminds me of something that was pointed out I know they brought it up in Big Bang Theory and I had heard somebody talk about this before with it with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade or not the Last Crusade I'm sorry Raiders of the Lost Ark in a way they're very similar because if you think about Raiders of the Lost Ark Indiana Jones actually has no impact on the plot just because all he does in that movie is find the Ark before the Nazis but it's kind of implied they probably would have ended up finding it at some point. And then they would have gone to that island or whatever that area and opened it up and all died. Which is ultimately what happens in that movie. Indiana Jones doesn't actually make any of that happen, really. So, he is kind of a non-factor in the plot. And if you take the MCU as a whole, if you skipped this, you would not really notice it in the plot. Of the totality of the MCU and that's kind of a bummer because of how good it was 
that they didn't make anything in it more stand out stand outish in regards to the overall saga of the MCU. Because like I said, you could skip it and you wouldn't be confused at all. Because like everybody, like even Zemo, Zemo starts in jail and ends in jail. Like everything goes in and out to almost the exact same place it was at the end of Endgame. And that just kind of sucks. Do you guys have any thoughts on that before I move on? No, I kind of get that. Because I mean, as much as I think like it's good that you could watch it by itself and kind of be able to pick up what's going on. I see what you mean. I mean, it doesn't, yeah, it, it has no no bearance on <laughs> what happened before or what's, I mean, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. And it's hard to say, like, I mean, I it doesn't bother me necessarily, but I could see why it would bother some people. So it, it's a good point, though. I didn't think of it that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting point. It's just something that it's just so hard to know if that's going to be accurate or not, because we would have to see what the Captain America 4 movie is. You know, it depends on what characters return for that. But I, I imagine that Sharon being the power broker is going to be a big part of that. I would imagine that. Uh, that the U.S. agent and finding out who Val is and what's up with that. I just think that all of that uh, would would be a big part of that story. It's hard to imagine that story happening and not having those things in there. Um, I, I mean, I guess I can kind of see how somebody might arrive to that that thought process, but it just feels like it's too early to judge it until we know and see the Captain America four movie. Like, I think until you see that you, you don't really know if this theory is true or not. So it's just kind of hard to, I, I, I don't know if I would dock the series points or anything like that um, based on that theory, because right now it is just simply a theory until we see Captain America four. But it's definitely interesting. It's definitely something to look out for. And if it does seem like when you're watching that movie, you didn't need the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, story in, in order to feel like you understand where the characters are in that in that movie, then I, I, I could agree with this. But I just think that Marvel has proven themselves with the way that these are written, the way that they tell these stories, the way that they've been doing things. It, honestly, after 10 plus years of watching their movies and now how well written and how much they take care of these characters, it's really hard to imagine a scenario where Captain America 4 just stuff is happening and and, and none of it relates back to this. They just haven't shown a pattern to tell a lazy story like that. And I don't think they're going to start. So that's just kind of how I feel about it. Well, I mean, yeah, it'll tie back. But like I said, in a lot of ways, if you're just like, oh, yeah, Sam is now Captain America. It's just how it was at Endgame. And I guess part of the reason why I can say all this and it not be completely a theory is Wyatt Russell was only contracted for this. He is not contracted for anything else. And has even said so far, he has no plans on ever coming back. So there's that with the U.S. agent. 
when it comes to Val, uh, with that character, this is an unfortunate casualty of the pandemic. That character was actually supposed to debut in Black Widow. And so we will see Val in that. And this wasn't meant to be her debut originally. Um, so that's kind of with that, like, yeah, she might play a bigger factor later, but it's also because she was supposed to debut technically in Black Widow, not this. Um, when it comes to the power broker and all this other stuff with that, weirdly enough, the power broker tends to be something more related to the X-Men than Captain America. I know it played, you know, with into this with them going to Mandapore and all, but Mandapore is also more of a location for the X-Men and stuff like that. So I feel like Sharon Carter might show up and come back with some of that stuff. It might actually play more into the X-Men style of stuff, though. Not to say that she won't come into Captain America 4 or anything like that. I'm just saying that that's one of those aspects with that. And... But, I mean, I guess that's why I felt that way is because I knew that about the Val character and I knew that about what Wyatt Russell had said. So I don't feel like those things are really going to be as impactful later because of this. Does that make sense? Yeah, but they've been known to misdirect. You know how Marvel Studios likes to misdirect. So I I just, you know, I just, I just kind of want to wait and see it when we get it. You know, I mean, I think that they have proven time and time again that trying to predict a lot of this stuff, I mean, is is difficult with them. So, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I just don't want to make the same mistake that fans keep making, where they think they know where the story is going, they think this is going to happen, they keep coming up with these theories, and then none of it happens. You know, that's just, yeah. that has been the pattern with this stuff. So I, I just, you, you know, so it's just hard for me to believe, to have faith that this is going to happen when they just keep showing me this one thing, when the, when the one obvious thing is to what is what keeps happening, you know? No, and that's fair. Like they do, I mean, shit, they misdirect us in trailers all the time. Um, So yeah, I mean, I get that. It's just, that's my feeling coming out of this. And I I do hope I'm wrong. That would be great if I'm wrong. It's just right now that's how I feel because of knowing some of this other stuff. I'm just like, fuck. Um, but with some of that stuff, though, um, this kind of made me actually slightly hopeful for that we might get a Thunderbolt show, like show or movie with Baron Zemo at the rap now and him ha- showing for like his willingness willingness to do you know work to like you know that he his mission from civil war doesn't necessarily completely define him as a person you know what i mean that while he had his mission in that he's not really trying to be a villain you know but he is like a criminal and so i like the idea of them doing the thunderbolts and for those people that don't know what thunderbolts is at this point I guess you haven't read comics and that's fine is that the Thunderbolts is actually a group of villains that work for the U S government as heroes, kind of like suicide squad, very much a ripoff of the suicide squad, but, and it at least was done in the comics when they debuted, it was actually a big reveal. It was like one of the most daring things they had done in some time 
because they did this comic and they just released it and it's like oh it's just a new group of heroes and then literally like the last page of the comic you find out no they're all villains they're all villains that you know from other shit and you're like oh fuck they're all villains you know and they've i mean they've gone on and they've had different iterations of the team i mean venom's been one of them you know they've had like straight up villain villains be on the thunderbolts and stuff like that and it's I'm kind of hoping we're going to get that because the original leader of the Thunderbolts is Baron Zemo. So that's why that gives me hope for that. Also, I kind of like this new version of Baron Zemo because in the comics, Baron Zemo is a Nazi. Like he was a Nazi, Mm -hmm. you know, and all this other stuff. So I like this one. I like, I like that we get a villain that's related to Captain America that just Mm -hmm. isn't a Nazi. That's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand why a lot of his villains are Nazis. And I understand, or if they're not Nazis, they're Hydra, which, let's also be real about that, Hydra's a bunch of Nazis. Right. So, I like the fact that they're, they gave him some nuance and stuff like that. I really liked that, like, he really only kind of had one goal. And that was, like, to fuck up super soldiers and shit like that. I like that he acknowledged, though, that his anti-super soldierness like mindset didn't necessarily apply to Steve Rogers and like it's just one of those things that I like that they talk about why Steve was different you know that like what made Steve special as a super soldier and all this other stuff um I liked that he had that like come to Jesus moment with Bucky where both of them realize that ultimately the other one's not the problem. You know, like Baron Zemo framed Bucky, you know, and caused all these problems and all this shit and wanted to kill him because he was a super soldier and all this other shit. And, you know, but he, but Bucky realized why he did it. And it's not like Bucky doesn't realize he needs to atone for his uh, past. And also it's not like Bucky doesn't understand the dangers of super soldiers just in general he understands it so i kind of like all that i like the fact that they kind of bring up that the super soldier program and all this other stuff is kind of based around supremacy and in a lot of ways it is you know it's when you start getting into those things about super soldiers and eugenics and all this other stuff that like it ties into stuff with like real life where you do understand that a lot of it has its roots in supremacy and stuff like that like it's not like hitler wasn't really trying to make super soldiers in world war ii because he fucking was you know a lot of this stuff has roots in that and i like the fact that they kind of talked about that in this i like the fact that they had isaiah bradley in this the you know which is also a character in the comics i do like I like the fact that they touched on the whole America's not ready for a black Captain America because that's also a fucking quote from the Captain America comics in I think the 80s when Steve Rogers left being Captain America and they were going to give it to Sam and they were like, no, America's not ready for a black Captain America and then they gave it and that's what started the US agent stuff with that Captain America and John Walker in the comics, you know? So, like, there's that aspect of it. And 
if anybody wants to sit there and act like that's not true, go watch some shit from Fox News a few years ago when the Falcon did become Captain America in the comics. And tell me that, you know, it wasn't even a few years ago that there weren't people in, you know, saying on a, to a nationwide audience, but my Captain America was white. Why is a black guy Captain America now? Why are they just trying to be, you know, all woke and diverse with shit? Like, a lot of the things that were said in this about the way Sam felt about being Captain America or, like, about possibly being Captain America and how Isaiah Bradley felt about being Captain America or what Captain America represented and all this other stuff, a lot of that's drawn from real life and things that have actually been said. Now, I understand inside the MCU, they treat that shit as real, you know? Like, in the MCU, Captain America's a real thing. So, it would make more sense that there's a problem there than here in the real world where people had problems with shit that was on a fucking page. And people were still making big fucking deals about it. They were making a big fucking deal about one of the first people that Captain America, or that Sam Wilson as Captain America fought was a fucking, like, KKK member type of supervillain. And they're like, why are they trying to do that? Do they not remember that Captain America literally debuted to fight fucking Nazis? How is it weird that a Captain America character is fighting a white supremacist? That's literally one of the oldest things and the most accurate character traits about Captain America ever is he tends to fight white supremacists. And people were throwing fucking fits about it just because he was a black Captain America now. Come the fuck on. If that wasn't some of the most based on real life shit I've seen in a comic book movie ever or a comic book related fucking medium ever, I don't know what is at this point. It's fucking bonkers. Also, one last thing I want to say before I let you guys go is I really want to give kudos to whoever wrote this or wrote, I think, the last episode, whoever it was. I just want to give them kudos because when... You know, he's when Sam is sitting there talking to those people, the the politicians and the news crews and all that other shit, talking what I said earlier about, you know, you need to do what's right by these people. At one point he brings up, yeah. and like uh, Justin brought it up when he's talking about how, you know, some people, you call them terrorists, some people call them heroes, this and that. And talking about how some of that is coded language. And he specifically says the word thugs in context of coded language. Just thank you, because yeah, mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with the word thug, because one of the people that have used that the most in my life was like an ex-stepmother of mine from way back in the day when I was small. Like, and this is in the 90s and stuff like that. Like, I used to wear like a Mountain Dew do-rag, because you know it's the 90s, so we all wore do-rags, and of course, <laughs> I was a little fucking white kid, so of course mine was Mountain Dew. It's a Mountain Dew do-rag. And she didn't want me wearing it because it made me look like a thug. Now, she didn't mean that in the way that some people probably do when they say thug. She meant that in the way a lot of people do when they say thug, as in you look like you're trying to be a black person. And by that, a criminal black person. Hmm. Like, that's what she meant. And I'm not looking into it. No, the one was kind of racist. So I'm not... I'm not being ridiculous. 
Okay. And, but that's what it was, you know, and that's how a lot of people do that. Why is it all of a sudden when, you know, like a black person's walking down the street, I've seen, um, I don't know if anybody else knows this, but like the whole, there's that, the ring app, you know, for the doorbell, the video camera doorbell, there's the ring app. And with that, they've got this thing called like the neighborhood app and which allows you to like send notifications to other ring users in your neighborhood. And it's all anonymous and all this other stuff. But it's like, hey, be careful. I've seen a lot of coyotes out. Like, be careful when you let your animals out. Stuff like that. It's meant to just be kind of a notification system for your neighborhood based on shit you see with, you know, on your camera and all this other stuff. But I can't tell you how many times it's like, oh, there was this thug walking down the street, guys. Be careful and make sure you lock your doors. And because I live in Joliet, it's, you know, these people freak out because, you know, a black person was walking in the neighborhood. So make sure you lock your doors, guys. It's fucking ridiculous. There's probably very few words I hate more than the word thug just because of how it is used to be a code word for racial slurs these people feel like they wish they could say in public but can't anymore. And I really just love that this show called that out. It made me happy. Because I don't feel like enough things do. So. Um. Because I know Justin's probably got a lot to say. Heather go first. <laughs> yeah I. I That last scene. Or that last um episode. When Sam is in front of. The, the politicians. And the camera crews and all that. I think that's one of the greatest scenes that I've ever seen in Marvel ever. Um, it was so powerful and moving and really timely and needed. And I just, I really love that they did that. And that is the main part of what set this a, a bar above for me and like being a better finale than WandaVision was. Um, but it's, I don't know. I just think that they... Just everything they did with that scene, too. And um, just the reactions from everybody around him, too, um, on his team, even like Bucky and John Walker and everybody. Just you could just see the the wheels turning and just the the whole way that they did that scene and the performances of like they're taking stock of themselves as he's saying all of this. And I just, I love that it was a moment that wasn't expected to happen, but he just rolled with it and it was perfect. I think they did such a good job with that. Um, I do think that, um, what was the, what was the guy's name again? Zemo? Is that what his name was? Baron Zemo. Yeah. Baron Zemo. He was great. I think he was awesome in this. And, um, just that that real understood thing between him and Bucky, like you were talking about Sterling, of where he's just like, yeah, I get why uh, you need to kill me. I, I get why you want to kill me. You know, like just the this understood thing of like, we know what we are and we know that it what, whatever you think it, you should do to me is warranted. You know, like I just, I really appreciated that, like the knowledge that they both had of like, in a different time, this would be going down, but we're different people now and kind of thing, you know? And I just thought that was really cool. Um, I'm not really the hugest fan of, 
um, Sharon Carter being the power broker. Is that a thing in the comics? I don't know if it is, but. Well, not her necessarily being the power broker. The power broker is the character in the comics. Um, Uh Like I said, he deals more with the X-Men. And there's kind of multiple versions of the power broker. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not completely out of character necessarily for Sharon Carter to become the power broker, though. Just because Karen or Sharon Carter has been well brainwashed a couple of times in the comics, but isn't always necessarily a good person in the comics, like a good character. Um, so it's kind of like half one and half a dozen of the other type of shit, or six of one, half a dozen of the other type of thing. They're just kind of combining a couple of different storylines with it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and it's it was a it not that it wasn't a surprising reveal, like it it wasn't. It just wasn't, it, it didn't really amount to much for me more than just like, I I didn't care for that being the reveal. And I don't know if it's just because I feel like there's not, there wasn't a whole lot known about her before this. I mean, I know she was in, you know, one of the previous movies and everything, but I just feel like this was not the the transition of that being the reveal and like the fact that it was Sharon Carter, like I'm not necessarily like I love that they did this, but I, I'm I guess I'm kind of indifferent about it, or or maybe it was just that her performance it wasn't a bad performance, but I don't know if I feel like it was strong enough to really feel like she could pull off the fact that she was the power broker. Maybe that's just me. I don't know, but I I she, I was just kind of like meh on that reveal, but um. Mostly, I just think, like, the a couple of really key things in the show, like, such as um, John Walker just going crazy <laughs> in front of people and in public and just murdering that guy in front of everybody was a huge thing. And that scene was so good and shocking. And that is kind of what wakes you up to the show if you were not in it before that. I think that's what really gets you involved in this show because I feel like maybe the episode, maybe the first, the two episodes prior to that one were, were just kind of, they were okay. They were a little bit slower episodes, but it really swings back into it after that moment. And, um, I don't remember the character's name. Who was like the leader of the group with the red hair. Um, I think she did a really good job in that role. Carly. I, Yes. Yeah. I think she was great. I think that um, she she plays a villain better than Sharon Carter plays a villain, if that makes sense. You know, so like I just yeah, I, I just feel like they weren't they weren't really evenly matched. I mean, well, maybe they were. I mean, she can fight. Sharon Carter can fight. But I don't know. I just didn't. She was just more believable as a villain or as a bad person, I suppose, than Sharon Carter was. So um, but anyways, I just, I think that she was really, um, an intriguing, um, antagonist in this. And, um, I really, I liked how they did her character and, but yeah, I mean, I just think that there were a couple of episodes that not that they were bad in any sort of way, they just moved a little bit slower than the rest of it. So I feel like maybe the show overall, it wasn't as evenly paced for me as um you know other marvel shows such as wandavision i hate comparing it but it's just when that's what you come out with first with this it's hard not to <laughs> you know 
But um, but yeah, I just feel like it wasn't as evenly paced. And um, but you know, they had a lot to fill. I mean, they they were there was a lot of backstory, there were a lot of underlying things happening. So I get why they did it, but I just feel like from that point when John Walker just goes crazy, from then on, that show is gold, solid gold. It was maybe like a step down before that, but when you get to that point, you're just like, you're invested in it. Um, And I just think that, and also that scene when Wyatt Russell's character is in the courtroom stating his case about like, you guys made me this. Like I did everything that you wanted me to do. You know, like just that whole scene was really powerful as well. And it was kind of a, it makes you think, you know, like everything he was saying, it just kind of made you think about it. And you're like, hmm, okay, that's not untrue, <laughs> you know? And it kind of just gives you a little bit more perspective of John Walker and sort of his mindset and where he's coming from. And it was a really great moment for him, I think. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like this show, I it just made me really excited for the movie that's going to come. And again, like the dynamic between Bucky and Sam is so good. Like, I, I feel like there's a few, a few dynamics in Marvel that are kind of similar, but those two, I don't know what it is. It just really works. It works really well. And it's just very seamless. And it just feels like you feel like they really are just the best of buds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they just really, they have such a good chemistry together. And um, I think that Bucky's story is um, also really um, intriguing, you know, where he's he's trying to be a better person and then he has these nightmares that keep happening and he just keeps holding on to the past of who he was and trying to overcome that. And, you know, I just, I feel like that's a really captivating story and just the strides and the progress you see from him in this. I think that is probably if there's anything that really comes from this show that might catapult something in like a future movie or future stuff is that, that progression from Bucky and the person that he is becoming from where he was. And I think he had a lot of moments that really kind of stole the scene. Like, um, when he and, um, is it Ayo? Is that her name from Wakanda? The, the lady from Wakanda, the warrior, when they meet up and, you see that flashback scene of, of them together and how, you know, he's like seeking help from her and just the breakdown that you see him have is one of the best moments of the show also. So I just, I feel like he has a lot of really strong moments. I did also love the montage of the training that Sam was doing and, um, just, yeah, I, I just really feel like it's, I don't know. It, it just really worked just the two of them together. And like their storylines are so different, but together in just what they are as a team really works well. So I, I think that's just a credit to the writing of the characters and a, the writing of the story itself. And everything comes together nicely. Like you don't, 
in this show being confused by anything. Like they explain everything, you know, it's pretty clear what's happened. And I think that that's a good thing too. It's not one of those where you have to go back and rewatch it to catch something that you might've missed about what happened. Um, you know, so I think that that is also a good thing about it, but yeah, I just really, there were just really key moments. It wasn't necessarily like every episode was better than the next, but I do think that it was consistently, the latter half of the season was so, so consistently top notch with just some really key moments that they put in there and it just made it really great. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really, I, I think a lot of what you already said, Sterling, it just, I agree with a lot of that. Um, but yeah, again, I'm only speaking to the show because I don't know the comics or anything like that. But that's just a couple of things from my perspective as somebody who's a little bit more of an outsider to the Marvel Universe than you guys are. That's just some things that stood out to me. But yeah, I just really... The moments that were great were super great. And so anything that was lacking in like pace or whatever in the the first part of the show completely didn't matter because of everything that they do in the last half. So yeah, I just, I really enjoyed this and I think I would definitely, I would rewatch episodes of this probably before a lot of other shows that I like to rewatch now <laughs> because of the action and the funny moments and everything they do with it. So, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. All right, Justin, what about you? Cool, cool. Um, I don't know. I guess the best way to start would probably just be to, to, to just talk about the things I liked that stood out to me. And then I'll kind of transition over into things that I felt like uh, I didn't like so much. Um, I think that... One cool thing about the show is just that right away, I think that they just did such a great job of just kind of setting up what kind of show this was going to be, because immediately we're, 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 we're doing this crazy action scene and we're in the air and there's a hostage situation and GSP who was, um, uh, Batrock, Botrock. I don't know if I'm saying the name exactly right, but, um, but, uh, George St. Pierre, if you don't know the MMA fighter, um, he had a great fight with Captain America in the Captain America and Winter Soldier movie. So like right away, it was really cool to see that he was back and he was going to be like involved and, and I don't know, I, I, you know, with Sam becoming the new Captain America and then having to go through him. It's almost like a rite of passage. Like it was just a nice little callback to Winter Soldier to kind of have him um, involved in some of what was going on and be there for some of the the fighting, which was good stuff. But right away, man, we're just in this action sequence and we're and we're suspended in the air and we've got to get this hostage. Um, we've got to get this person out and we got to save this person. And if they get across the border, then we're out of jurisdiction and the mission has to be aborted. You know, we can't go past a certain point. And that was such an amazing fight scene. Just everything about it, just them fighting in close quarters. And then the, the free fall, uh, parasuit chase. And then finally the, 
the the apprehension of the um you know the 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 hostage and then the whole helicopter situation that was really an amazing an amazing scene and like right away you just kind of understood like oh okay so that's what we're doing here like like right away i think that they just kind of threw an impressive fight sequence in there um that that was interesting and cool and we talked about the way that sam fights and already that that just was a very interesting sequence so right away it was just like dang and you know uh, in comparison to WandaVision, I think that, you know, one of the things that people kind of said about WandaVision, which I was cool with it, but one of the prevailing complaints was is that it started really slow. Like, until you get to about episode three or four and you kind of know and you see, like, the the sore people and what's going on and stuff like that, a lot of people weren't feeling just the sitcom-only episodes. I loved them, but, you know, but that was kind of the prevailing thing. Well, if you were one of those people that thought that that started too slow, I mean, this just started with a kick in the pants. Like, it was like, you know, boom, we're in the air, we're free-falling, we're flying, there's a rock slides and all this crazy stuff happening. Like, it was just really, it just really, really started with a very exciting scene. So that just kind of stood out to me. And then, um, and, and then the movie really, after starting in the air, we go down to earth. And I really mean down to earth. And now you're seeing Sam and his, and he's interacting with his family. And we meet his sister and we find out what she's been going through because for that five year time that he was blipped. And, and it's just great stuff. It's great to see to get a down-to-earth perspective of what happened when these heroes went away. Like her struggling to make it and her talking about being with the kids and everything like that. And then this boat and everything going on with that and her kind of wanting to get rid of this boat that had been in the family for years. And that boat's a great analogy, but I'll kind of get to that later. Uh, but, but like, I thought that that was just a very smart way to do this. Like we start with that action sequence. And that's why I think that these episodes were just so well put together because there was not, I don't think there was a single episode that was devoid of an action scene. But after they gave you that feel of action, then the movie really started to hit you with some story development and character development. And it just made for a nice mix of different things going on in each episode. But that's what I appreciated, like, seeing Sam and his sister and then him trying to get that loan. And that was very telling. Like, you know, the, the, the loan agent knew who he was and was like, Oh, Falcon, cool. Can I get a picture All this kind of stuff like that? And then you come to find out because of his lack of income history, because of the five years he had been blipped away and then trying to come back and stuff like that. He couldn't even get a loan. The Falcon, a superhero, protected protected the world from Thanos and he couldn't get alone. And it really just kind of puts things in perspective of the consequences of what happened. Like, and, and that's, what's crazy about it. Like you would think that the, con you, you know, when you're thinking about the consequences of what happened when everybody got blipped back and everything, you, normally you're thinking of astronomical consequences, 
But I love how this showed you that, nope, there are even, there are just like these, even these low level consequences can hit big. So I thought that that was just um, a great way to start this series. It just immediately told you that, look, we're aware of some of these things and we're really going to get ground level with some of these character development and some of the story elements that we have here. So I just thought that that was great. And then Bucky dealing with um, his psychiatrist and him kind of making this list and taking uh, Steve Rogers book and, and the list of things that he had whenever he was unthawed from the ice and was trying to do and catch up on the world and all that stuff. And I like how Bucky kind of took that and was like, well, he made a list. So let me see if it works for me. And I love this journey about him crossing off all of these different, you know, trying to right some of these wrongs that he did as the winter soldier and trying to uh, face some of these uh, people who he might've, you know, whose families he might've taken people from or people he might've helped get into a position of power and try to rectify those situations. I just love that he was kind of on this personal journey to deal with the winter soldier. And then you see him kind of having this nightmare and this flashback and, Oh man, I forget the Asian man who played the the character, but then you, you see him interacting with these people and you're kind of wondering why these people know him. Like, why did he choose to befriend these people? Like, you know, he, the, these people seem to know him. He drinks in this bar and people are recognizing him and he's telling the guy, come on, I thought we were going to eat. And then when you find out that the reasoning for that is because this guy is part of his journey and he's trying to build up the courage to tell this man that as the winter soldier, he killed his son, man, that was such good stuff. And the way that like the end of episode one ends where you kind of see the picture of the guy after seeing Bucky's nightmare flashback, man, that was just great storytelling. It perfectly set the tone for what this show was going to be. And it just really got you invested right away in what both Falcon and the Winter Soldier were doing. So I thought that that was uh, great stuff, man. I just really thought that it started great. And then, and then also the at the end of that episode where, you know, um, Sam putting the shield, uh, giving the shield back to the government, basically, and just wanting the shield to be in the Smithsonian. And him kind of, you know, not wanting to take this on. And I love how, it, you know, I started off thinking, okay, maybe Sam doesn't want the shield because, you know, it's an inner struggle. He doesn't think he's worthy of the shield. But I love how through Isaiah, that character, and through the rest of this story, it not only was it a story about Sam wondering if he was worthy, but it was more also of a story about is America worthy of his service? And I think that that's something important to note. Like when you look at this, like it wasn't, there was a two-parter there. It wasn't so much about Sam going, man, I deserve this or Am I, I think there's another part, especially for him being a black man and a black character in this scenario. I think there's this other part of is America worthy of my service? Should I give them my service? Do they deserve it? So I like how this tackled both sides of that with the Isaiah character. With the Isaiah character, you got to see a very 
kind of real world point of view that exists with a lot of black people. They're angry. They're jaded. They've been done wrong by the system. And this is what the system is. And this is what America really is. And it's that really ugly side of it. And just like Sam said, how could I blame Isaiah for how he felt, you know, being experimented on? The the crazy thing about the Isaiah character is like, the he did the very same thing that Captain America did. Like, he fought against the enemy. He saved his comrades. He took the super soldier serum and and survived it and was able to utilize it and did all these amazing things. And while Captain America was celebrated for it, this man was imprisoned and experimented on and all of this kind of stuff like that. So I love that contrast. Like you got to see another side of what could happen to somebody um, uh, with this super soldier serum and stuff like that. And it was a great, like, I think allegory for kind of what has been some of the black experience in America. And then you think about the fact that, you know, his wife, Isaiah's wife had wrote him all those letters and everything. And he never got to see his wife. She never got to know that he was alive. And she just died without him ever really having that closure or anything like that. And then you think about Captain America's story. And what does Cap wind up doing at the end of Endgame? He gets his girl. He gets to have that closure. He kind of gets to go out his own way. So, like, the Isaiah story is so incredibly tragic when you think about it that way. Like, like when you think about his experience and Cap's experience, man, dude, it's the stuff that you lose sleep over. Just thinking about how radically different they have been. And the crazy thing about that is that that is just such a nuanced thing to do because there are real stories like that. Like, Isaiah talked about the Red Tails and the Tuskegee Airmen and fighting in the war and doing all, saving people and doing all those great things. And then they come back to burning crosses in their yards and stuff like that. So all of that, I, I mean, I mean, who, who knew you would get all of this in what is supposed to be a superhero miniseries? That's heavy stuff, but it's stuff that people need to hear. And, and it's stuff that people, um, I think that's a perspective that people need. That's the kind of stuff that keeps us having conversations, that keeps people kind of thinking about this. And so you can understand where Isaiah came from. And I just have to give a shout out to that actor who played Isaiah, because I mean, did anybody do so well with so little scenes than him? I mean, like, my goodness, man, the acting and the, the look of anger in his eyes and the 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 look of disdain whenever he was talking to them. And like when it, uh, in that second episode, when he's angry, when he angrily says, get out of my house, you know, like you could just feel everything from him. Like that actor did such an incredible job and he didn't have that many scenes, but he was impactful. He just absolutely kills in every scene. So, you know, I just got to hand it uh, um, to Isaiah. And then by the time you get to the end of his story, and I'll stop on the Isaiah stuff, and you get to the end of the story, and, um, and you know, uh, Falcon, or at this point, Captain America, uh, takes him back to the, the Smithsonian and the monuments and everything. 
and and he and when he walks in there and he gets to see that he, a statue of him has been put up with a history about what he did and his bravery and his sacrifices and everything like that. And man, that moment where Sam looks at him and says, now they will always remember what you did. You know, they, they, they now it will always be here. It'll, what you did matters, you know, what, and I'm abridging it, but now what you did will always be remembered. And man, that was such a gratifying moment. Like, like that was like, to me, one of the best moments of this show was just that, and that hug he gave Sam and the look in the actor's eyes and how just like how yeah. filled with happiness he was and just that, that um, happiness cry that he was doing like that actor just did such a splendid job. And there are many people like I posted this and was like, what did you think about Falcon and the Winter Soldier? And you and I can't tell you the number, how many people told me they cried when it got to that scene. They cried when they saw Isaiah get his just due. And to me, that speaks to the power of what was written here. It kind of speaks to that actor's acting. So I just wanted to really give a hats off to him and just kind of point out some of those things. So for Sam, that whole thing about like, is, is America worthy of me? You know, that was another side of this too. And I loved Sam's resolve in episode five, which I think episode five is my favorite episode just because, you know, it, 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 it starts with the Wyatt, with the Wyatt Russell, the, the, the US agent versus Bucky and Sam fight, which was just an amazing fight. Them trying to take the the shield from the super soldier, John Walker. That was amazing. I mean, what a fight that was. There was just so much raw stuff happening in that fight. Like, uh, I, I mean, God, that was an amazing fight. I could just watch that over and over. Um, but it starts with that fight. And then I love how like the story slowed down and you got to kind of see Bucky and Sam kind of putting together this ship. Like they're, they're fixing this boat and the community's coming out. And like, I think it was really a bold choice for this, for them in this storytelling to just decide, you know what, we're going to give them the action scene at the beginning. And then we're just going to go complete. We're going to slow this thing completely down. We're not going to have too much Carly stuff happening. We're just going to develop this friendship. We're going to develop these characters and we're going to get to understand why Sam made the choice that he made. And that was just not only to me was that a bold decision, but it was a great one because that episode is just so rich with stuff. And like when, and, and then back to Sam's resolve really quickly, when Sam is talking to his sister and he's thinking about Isaiah and he's like, man, you know, Isaiah and everything he went through and man, Isaiah's right to feel the way that he does. And then, but the resolve and he was like, you know, he said it to Isaiah later, you know, I, we fought for this country. We bled for this country. So nobody is going to tell me that I can't fight for it. And even though um, Isaiah feels this way and he has every right to, and Bucky feels this way and he has every right to, this has to be my choice. This has to be me. I've got to want to do this. I've got to make this choice, you know, and he listened to everybody. He heard everybody's perspective about 
what they thought about him carrying the shield. And I like how his resolve was, I'm going to do this because damn right there should be a black Captain America. And I'd be damned if anybody's going to tell me I can't do it. You know, we we deserve to be a symbol in this country just as much as anybody else. And I loved that resolve from him. So I just thought that that was great. And you guys already talked about the montage. Yeah, that was an amazing montage. And and that background music, the Captain America Winter Soldier, I'm sorry, Falcon Winter Soldier theme, that ending theme that plays at the end of every episode, that is an awesome theme. That don't 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 man, that theme is awesome, dude. And so like seeing him in that montage, throwing the shield and learning how to use it and all that stuff, it, that was just great stuff, man. That that was all just amazing stuff. Uh, even the conversation before that, when him and Bucky just kind of playing frisbee with the shield, and it's just it's just so funny because that's nothing that you like imagine you would see, but then you see it, and it's so unnatural that they're just throwing this shield with this velocity. It's bouncing off things, and they're just catching it like it's nothing, having a conversation about what they're going to do next, and. They're just doing these amazing athletic feats and just doing it so matter of fact. I just thought that that was really cool, too. That was just an excellent visual there with them uh, throwing the shield at each other and talking back and forth. Um, But moving on to some of the other people in this. Yeah, like everything that y'all said about John Walker is is absolutely true, man. I loved the 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 introduction to him. With him in the in the second episode, with like like man, there's just so much good stuff. And I think if if I had a runner up for best episode, I think that second one was great too. How it starts with John Walker and he's in the locker room and he's like, man, I just want to be the best captain I can be, and I just want to. And then you find out like he had three like medals of honor and like all of this other stuff going on with him and. He just seems like a guy, you know, the first impression, I remember the internet went crazy when he was revealed as the new captain and people were like, not my captain. And I think Wyatt Russell even said he got death threats online and stuff like that whenever he became Captain America. But I love how in that second episode, you really just got to, I mean, when you see all that stuff, you're like, man, okay, John, you know, you're just kind of rooting for him. You know, you're just kind of like, okay, well, he said he doesn't seem like a bad person. He just kind of seems like someone who is really trying to do this job. But I liked his perspective because it showed how special, too, that Steve was. Like, it showed how difficult it is to be this thing. Like, you can't just have anybody do this. It takes a special kind of person. It takes a special kind of resolve to be Captain America, to carry that mantle. So I love how through him, we got to see how difficult, how literally difficult it was for somebody um, to take on that mantle. And yeah, his descent into madness was great because throughout the story, you see him losing confidence. You see him losing these fights to to Carly and her band of super soldiers. You see him kind of losing hope in his own abilities. And man, uh, it all kind of came to a head, though, when he fought the Wakandan, the female Wakandan warriors 
And man, that look of defeat that he had after that fight, after he could have beat them, and that look of defeat that he had, and he was like, man, they're not even super soldiers. And just like the look in his eye, man, like the defeated look that that he that John Walker had, like all of that was great. So the moment when Zemo is destroying all those super soldier vials and you see him standing over that vial, you just kind of knew. You just kind of knew what was going to happen. And then the conf- the confrontation, the the conversation he has with Battlestar where, you know, he's he's asking Battlestar, trying to get that affirmation before he does it. Like, would you take the super soldier serum? And Battlestar was like, hell yeah, man. It just makes you more of what you are, right? You know, like, look at Steve. He took it and he was just great and he was the best and everything. You know, just a complete misinterpretation of Steve and what it actually took to be Captain America. But I loved all of that because uh, you understood why um, John Walker was doing what he was doing. And yeah, man, at the end of that um, episode, when he does that and he kills one of the flag smashers and man, that was shocking. That was just a great episode. And that image of, the bloody shield, the bloody Captain America shield and him standing there and everybody just in shock and awe. That was such a great ending. And I love how at the end of that episode, the ending credits, it was this real dark, like ominous, like foreboding music that they did for the end credits. They didn't do the same upbeat Captain uh, Captain Falcon America Winter Soldier theme. They didn't do that one. They did this like real dark, ominous music. So I thought that that was tight too. That was a nice uh, little touch from the Marvel team. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about, I guess, for a little bit is just Carly, uh, Carly Morgenthau. Like I've seen people say that they weren't as interested in her and everything like that. But what I loved about this character is really she was just a victim of circumstance. And we had had conversations about this like way before, like way back in our in-game episode when Sterling and I were talking and we were like, if, if Marvel is smart, they will make villains out of this situation. This situation where people get it blipped and blipped back, you could create some really cool stories, some innovative stories and make some really cool villains from this. And I liked Carly in this. I thought that she was very good in this. Like she being that victim of circumstance, somebody who was replaced, who was displaced and lost her home and lost her well-being and everything whenever people were blipped back and ordinances started changing and stuff like that and kind of having that desire to want things to go back to the way they were and her arguing that things were better back then because people had to unify because, uh, you know, half of the, the world was gone and you had no choice but to unify. You had no choice but to band together. And everybody kind of had this common struggle. Uh, and then when everything came back and you got the Global Repa- Repatriation Council and all these ordinances and them displacing people, I love how that's what she was. She was a victim of the system. And I guess like if WandaVision, if the big bad was grief in WandaVision, the big bad in this was the system. Yeah, Carly was um, was the villain, so to speak, but really she was just a victim of the system, and she was trying 
in her own way to change the system. She didn't want to see the system go down the way it was going. Uh, uh, Falcon and the expectations that were put on him by this, um, by, 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 you know, Steve dying and what people wanted him to do and kind of his duty to the system versus what he wanted to do. Um, you know, like, like when you look at the parallels of a lot of these characters, I think that was like the common thing, like, like all of them were sort of trying to operate in this, in, in this new system. And all of it is kind of bouncing off of that and kind of creating these people out of their circumstances. So I just think that that's also a fascinating thing um, about all of this. Uh, just to quickly cover some dislikes. Um, I feel like I'm kind of rambling here, but it's just some of the dislikes. Like um, I, th- I do think that some of the stories were just not as fleshed out, like um, Sharon becoming the power broker. I really think that, and that's why I really holding out hope that they're going to do more with Sharon in the next film, in the Captain America 4 film, like they have to, because we didn't really get a full understanding of why she was doing this. Again, you know, show me, don't tell me. We heard her say what happened, how she was declared an enemy of the state and how she kind of had to change and adapt and she started hustling and everything. And I guess, you know, her trying to manipulate a system, they're back to the system um, theme again, her being kind of a victim of the system and now trying to manipulate and cripple the system that hurt her is kind of her story. But it would have been nice to see some of what she went through, to see what was happening to her, you know, to see kind of how she became this power broker person. So I'm hoping that even though the reveal was kind of light in this, and I get that you didn't want her to completely take precedence over Carly. That was kind of our main focus here. But that's why I'm hoping that in the Captain America 4 movie, we get a more fleshed out Sharon and we really get to see how she became this jaded individual. Because, you know, Sharon Carter, you know, um, I didn't watch the 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 Peggy Carter, Agent Carter series, but, you know, her name, like the legacy of that character is, is that her um, her relative Peggy was like a great agent. You know, she worked yeah. for the government and was great and did all these great things. And, you know, was the apple of Captain America's eye. And she was just she had a wonderful reputation. So it's very ironic and intriguing that her, you know, um, I guess this would be a niece that her niece now is carrying the Carter name and she is the total opposite of what Peggy Carter was. So I hope that they, they, they delve into that a little bit. I hope that she has to come face to face with her legacy in a way, because I think that would make for some intriguing stuff with Sharon, but we didn't get it here. So, uh, so that would be something that I, that I think this series needed more of. We didn't get that here, so I'm hoping that we do get that um, somewhere down the road. Uh, the only other thing I really have is just that a lot of there were complaints that the last episode was kind of felt kind of rushed, that it tied together some loose ends too quickly, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't agree with all of that, but just to comment on some of it, uh, when Bucky went to um, confront the um, 
man, I, I don't want to just call him the Asian man, but I'll just say the, the, the actor whose son he had killed and he finally confronted him and had that conversation. There were people that wanted that to be longer. There were people that wished that that could have been a longer scene, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. I think enough was done to where you understood what was said. And I don't know if I needed to see a longer scene of the man crying or Bucky crying with them and them holding each other. I don't know what people wanted. I, I don't know if that's what it needed or if people just wanted to see some more of the dialogue, you know, or maybe this was so good. People just wanted more of it, but you, you know, I, I, so I don't know if I necessarily agree with that point. Um, the, the only other dislike I would say is just that with Carly's story, um, we heard a lot again, show, not tell, we heard a lot of it, but I wish that we could have like seen her journey during um, the after the blip uh, phenomenon. I wish we could have seen a little bit more of what was happening and what like how she kind of rose into power and what was kind of going on. I wish we had gotten some flashes um, of that, too, for her. And I think that you know, people would have cared for her even more if we had maybe gotten uh, some of those scenes. So yeah, all in all, those were the only things, man. If anything, I just wish certain things had more development. I wish that certain things just had more time to flesh out. But none of those were a deal breaker for me. I just, you know, enjoyed this and just wish I had more of it, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I get a lot of that. I mean, I really enjoyed the middle episodes of this because they kind of played a little bit more like a spy thriller. And I love me a yeah. good old spy thriller, which is kind of why probably Winter Soldier's my favorite MCU movie. <laughs> is it plays a lot like that too. Um, I really just enjoyed that. I mean, I get why people are upset about uh, Sharon Carter to a degree. Like I said, we're probably going to see something um, probably kind of akin to some of the stuff we've seen when she's been brainwashed before in the comics and stuff like that. I mean, it's just kind of too early to tell with her character, I suppose. Uh, one inter interesting thing about this show, though, I think is that they are very... Marvel is either hardcore building up to do the Young Avengers... Or they are just throwing all the young Avengers into everything else for no reason. Because this one has Eli Bradley, which was Elijah Bradley's grandson. He's he's the 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 Patriot. Uh we got what Speed and Wiccan in in the twins from WandaVision. We know Cassandra Lang <laughs> will be in Ant Man and the Wasp. Quantumania, just because they cast a new Cassie Lang in that. Uh, like an older Cassie Lang because of the aging up from the blip and stuff. Uh, what else? We know Kate Bishop is going to be in the Hawkeye series. So they're just really pushing that we're going to get the Young Avengers at some point because they've got all the characters. Uh, I like the fact that they had Joaquin Torres in this who does become a version of the Falcon in the comics. Uh, a very different version of the Falcon than Sam Wilson's because he was kind of experimented on by this thing called the Serpent Society, which is related to Hydra, where they legitimately 
mixed his DNA with Red Wings, but in the comics, Red Wing is an actual bird. So he is legitimately part bird, part human. Um, but no, I'm just curious to see where they kind of go with some of that stuff. I mean, I did hear that, yeah, Wyatt Russell was getting death threats because of Captain America. Can we just stop giving people death threats? Just in general. <laughs> no, come on. Can we stop? No. <laughs> like, in what reality did you think that he was just going to be Captain America from e- forever on? Like, come the fuck on. Right. Like, and I like that they kind of redeemed him a little bit in this. Like, they showed some of the nuance of it all. Like, that, yeah, while he went the way he did, ultimately he came back and did what was right. You know? Which was nice. But I think that's to set up the duality of him later. I, I do hope Wyatt Russell comes back. I really do. I think he was great. You know, and also, why can't people realize that if you've got a character in a show, especially in a show that you hate, but he's also a character you're supposed to hate, that means the actor's doing a real damn good job. Don't death threaten him. It just means he's (laughs) doing good at his job. Like. Right. Exactly. That's what you want. Like. Do people realize we're supposed to hate the villains, right? Like, or not necessarily hate, but you're not supposed to like them. They're the bad guy. They get that, right? And so if you don't like the bad guy, that's a good thing. That means it's well-written. That means it's the villains doing their job. Like, not every fucking villain in something can be Dr. Doom and have nuance and all this other shit. Like, sometimes the villain's just a fucking bad guy. Let him be bad. Like, let's just stop sending death threats over this shit. Especially comic movies and TV shows. <laughs> right. Like, if they, if you know, if they royally fuck up the Moon Knight TV show and just, like, royally fuck it up, and it's one of the worst things ever, and they just cancel all MCU TV shows afterwards because of how bad it was, I'm going to be very upset. Just very upset. Do you know what I'm not going to do? death threat anybody (laughs) (laughs) and people do i mean that's crazy yeah yeah i'm not gonna threaten anybody's life because they ruined the moon knight tv show do you know why i've read a lot of bad moon knight comics too like (laughs) these people act like everything in this type of shit is always good like i love moon knight i love him i think he's he is like my hands down favorite superhero character out there It's not even close. And I still won't sit here and say every Moon Knight comic ever is great. Because they're not. There's a lot of garbage out there. A lot. There is one version of Moon Knight and it's written by Brian Michael Bendis. And if I ever was to death threat anybody over Moon Knight, it would be Brian Michael Bendis. But notice how I still didn't do it. Because it's still just comic books. But like, he took Moon Knight, who does have DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, and he goes, well, he has these multiple personalities. What I'm going to do is also give him the multiple personalities of Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain America. So while he's fighting or talking, he sometimes thinks he is them or talking to them. It's real dumb. Like, real dumb. One of the worst things to ever happen to Moon Knight. 
And guess what? Still no death threats. And it was fine. You know why? Some other people wrote some Moon Knight comic books after that. They were very nice, and I liked those. So it's fine. Like, just stop with the goddamn death threats. Like, just... And I think that's one reason why he doesn't come back, because some people take this shit too seriously. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like, and especially, like, if you really watch the series play out, he was so good. Like, when he's he's sitting there, and he's talking to... uh, what's it, Battlestar's family, and he's just openly lying to them about how he killed yeah. the one that killed his son and all this other stuff. But you can see it on mm-hmm. his face that yeah. he's still torn up about it. Even though he feels justified in what he did, he's still torn up that he was technically lying to him and all this other shit. Like, it was fucking fantastic. Or when he's just in that courthouse scene and saying all that shit to the fucking sinners and shit. It was fantastic. Like, why are you hating this guy? He just did so good. Now, if you wrote him threats just saying, hey, grow your beard back, you look kind of dumb, I already get it. I'm down with those kind of threats on Twitter. I bet he agrees with you. Because notice how he instantly grew his beard back. I get it. (laughs) He just looks less like his dad without a beard, which is weird because... Yeah, you think he'd look more like his dad, yeah. Exactly. It's something about his jawline, and I'm not saying it's a bad jawline. It's just a different jawline. Like, there was a (laughs) meme of whenever he debuted at the end of the first episode, and somebody made a meme of the old guy from Up with the Captain America mask, and I'm like, yes. That's exactly what he looks like. I did see that. That's true. He did look like that. And I laughed. Yeah. I saw it, and I laughed. Because it's right. Like, and don't get me wrong, Wyatt Russell is not a bad-looking guy at all. Not, That's no, he's a very attractive man. He just needs some facial hair. Yeah, he just looks better with his beard. You know, there's just something about his facial shape that needs to be, like, more rounded. And his beard does Yeah, that. he has very, very, I guess, sharp features, maybe. So, yeah, he just needs to round it out with a beard. Yeah, he just needs it a little softer. I think it's because of like how blue his eyes are. Could be. I don't know if he has blue eyes. I feel like he has blue eyes, though. I feel that he does. I think he does. But, yeah, let's just stop that because he was so good. Like, and did the funny thing is, and this pointed out, and I, I'm sad I don't remember the other TV show, but like Carly was in some other TV show. Where she was essentially like the same character too. Like a freedom fighter for something. I just don't remember what show it was. And I'm too lazy oh, to really? look at my phone. Yeah. I can pull it up. I have IMDb up. Let me see. So do I. Oh. Yeah. The only thing missing for her, we, we just needed that scene. We, we needed to see some of the struggle prior I just mm. wanted to see some of it rather than be told it, you know. Yeah. I just I just wish we could have saw some of that, you know. That was the only thing missing. I just think that would have put that character over the top. But still a good character, but yeah, I just we I think we needed that, you know. Oh yeah. No, she it was it was solo. 
her character is very very similar in solo is what it was the hans solo mm. story um apparently that she's also going to be in the the willow sequel that comes out next year and i don't mean this with any disrespect or anything like that all i know is when i just saw that she's going to be in willow i have never thought that an any actor or actress ever looks like they belong in Willow more than her. Just something about her screams, <laughs> you look like you would be in Willow. I get it. But, I mean, there was just a lot. Like, it, it's one of those weird things. Like, I do want to comment on a few things I have seen online. And I know somebody posted about this on your, your Facebook post about this, Justin. And they were talking about how they saw a lot of ADR issues and stuff like that. Because of a scrapped storyline about a pandemic. Now, to comment on that, I don't know if that's true or not. All I can tell you is the director of these episodes said that was never a part of the plan. That that's not what they were doing and they didn't scrap that. That's not why it got paused hmm. or anything like that. It's one of those things they had shot about 75% of this and then the pandemic happened. So they, you know, had to film more. And with that, one of the reasons why you do have ADR issues, I believe, is that when they started refilming this, like a lot of other things, Disney didn't want to spend more money on this shit. You know, technically they would have still had some of the budget left over, but you know what I mean? They just wanted to get it fucking made at that point. Just get it done. So I think one mm -hmm. of the things that happened and why you might have seen some bad ADR here and there is because... I don't think they reshot a lot of scenes that they typically would have. I don't think they did multiple, as many takes as they would have. And so you just fix it with ADR and just show the per back of the person's head. You know? And I think that's why you got some of that. Because they also hmm. didn't film this like a normal TV show where you spend like a week per episode filming something. They filmed this like you film a movie. You know? So... When 20, like, as opposed to WandaVision, which they did film more like a traditional TV show, you know, especially early on because of the way they were telling that story. This was filmed like a, you know, five hour movie or a four hour movie. You know what I mean? They would do all the shots they needed at one location, then they would move on to the next. You know what I mean? So they would do mm, it like okay. that. Yeah. That's why 25% of this not being made could mean that's like 10 minutes per episode that wasn't filmed yet. That's a big difference. Whereas with WandaVision, whenever they, they halted for uh, the pandemic and stuff like that, they had a lot of the first episodes already done. So what did they do? They just finished post on all of those. And then when they went back to filming, they just filmed the last few things and ended it. That's why, because this was supposed to come out before WandaVision, you know, and oh. that's part of the reason why they were able to finish WandaVision sooner than this because of the way they had to shoot WandaVision versus the way they shot this. Yeah, they could do post-production on all the footage they had, but if you still don't have like 10 minutes of each episode randomly, you know, that you've got to edit into the episodes after you do post on them, it makes it harder to just go, here's, you know, we've got the first ready for you we'll have the other three done by the time they're ready to air like they could with WandaVision you know what I mean so 
it's a lot easier to work on that type of thing versus the other. So hmm. that is, I did not know that. that. That's interesting. Yeah. But I don't think, I, I mean, I'm just going to take the guy on his word that they didn't scrap a pandemic storyline. And it wasn't really a pandemic storyline. It's that the flag smashers were going to release a virus, you know, hmm. I just don't think they would have done that. And I also don't think that they would have, if they did, if that was the plan, I don't think they would have just not said that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not one of those things you need to keep secret. You're like, hey, we were going to have a plan with the virus, but, you know, pandemic, who wants that? So let's just move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't think that would, I think if that was the case, they would have said it. Because nobody would get mad at them for going, oh, you're changing it. You know what I mean? Like, you would just say, hey, Falcon Winter Soldier's running a little bit behind because, you know, it had this storyline and we figured people are tired of that. And nobody would have gone, oh, you're dumb. No, everyone would have gone, yeah, I get it. I'm tired of the pandemic. So let's stay away from virus shit. I get it. Like, I just think that that's kind of the more like Arkham's razor type of situation. Like I think it's a lot simpler than what people would think, you know, but that was just some of the things I know I had seen in some comments that you had on your Facebook stuff that I just wanted to kind of address some of those because I did have some knowledge on it in those situations. Okay. Yeah. Cause I wasn't sure when I saw that comment, I went, huh? So I wasn't really sure about it and hadn't had a chance to do any research. So, yeah, that that helps for sure because yeah. I wasn't sure about what he was saying. So, yeah. Yeah, I had just seen some shit recently about it and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just, like I said, I can only go based off what the guy said. And I just don't feel like he's not telling the truth about it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can feel that like somebody is and stuff like that. I just didn't feel like he was hiding anything. He's just like, no, this was the actual situation. That's why it was like a little bit more difficult. Plus, I mean, with some of the stuff, it's so hard to always tell with some of the stuff because like filming a movie and filming a TV, filming a TV show are done very differently, you know? And when you're filming a TV show like a movie, it does affect you differently when you have to stop with 25% left. Whereas... 25% of WandaVision just means the last few episodes. Yeah. Because they shot it like a more traditional TV show. You know. So, yeah. It's just little things like that. But I really liked the fact that they brought Batroc back. Batroc the Leaper. I like yes, that they brought him back. That's how you say it. Yeah, it was, it was just a really cool like callback to like Winter Soldier and stuff like that, like Cap shit, you know what I mean? And I liked, I just, I can't tell you how much I love the way they have the Falcon fight in fight sequences. It's so fucking cool. It's just different than anything else we see out there. And yeah, I just love how they went out of their way to give that character a unique fighting style. You know, like, I do like the fact yeah. that, like, the Winter Soldier's fighting style is a lot more like Russian, you know, uh, Samba style fighting 
you know, with the it's very Russian and KBG like uh, yeah KBG esque, you know, versus like Cap that wasn't quite like that. I and I like the fact that they did that with him, but it still looks like just movie fighting, whereas with how acrobatic they have the Falcon be. And and just ingenious with how he he moves with that suit, you know. Like you were saying, Justin, like he'd do something and then use his jetpack just to go back a little bit or this and that and stuff. It's just so fucking cool. Yeah, he uses it to defend himself. He uses it to retreat. He uses it to advance. Sometimes he uses it for leverage. Like whenever um Carly, uh, I think um came at him and he like he put the shield up to block her attack but then the wings came out and he planted them in the ground to give him some extra leverage so that he could keep her there and wouldn't have to hit her like like all of that stuff i mean he just did so much cool amazing stuff and you're just like wow it just made every scene every fight scene with him that much more visceral and fun to look at, you know? Yeah. And one of the things I loved about the whole montage situation with him also is like, I loved how they showed him fighting with the wings, but I love how they also showed that without the wings at one point when they get ripped off. And then also in that montage, he's a capable fighter either way, but because he's a capable fighter and because he's a smart fighter, if he's got the wings, he's going to use them especially when he's going up against fucking super soldiers. He's going up against a bunch of people that have fucking superpowers and all he's got is a shield and some fucking wings. So what is he going to do? He's going to use his wings because that's his fucking superpower, you know? But I love yeah. how they showed that if push came to shove, he can fucking fight still. He's still acrobatic. You know, yeah, he's acrobatic with his wings, but the motherfucker can do like standing like spinning flip shits i don't know what the technical term is but standing you know spinny flip shits works but he can do those you know and also that was very good editing because i don't know if that was anthony mackie or not when he was doing that stuff they at least if they if that was a stunt double those were very good cuts and blends and if it yeah. wasn't a stunt double you go anthony mackie you go but i mean I, have you guys watched any of the fucking videos and shit of the press for this movie or show? Because no, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan just look like the best of friends. And it's just so yeah. delightful. I'm just glad that it's one of those things where it just, and if they're not the best of friends, holy fuck, they are some good actors. But. No, I just like that they've developed these relationships and they're having fun and like yeah. they like being around each other because it'd be nothing worse than to like go and film these things that you know you're going to be stuck together for forever. You know, they're going to have Falcon and Winter Soldier be together in every movie they're going to be in until they stop making these movies with them in it, you know? Yeah. So that's really nice yeah. too. Yeah, and this, man, the back and forth with those two, like, when they were both in front of the psychiatrist, that was hilarious, man. Like <laughs> That was get, great. Get closer to each other. Okay, you want to get close? All right, I'm close. I, that's, that's real <laughs> close. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's real close. 
like just all that stuff back and forth was just was just great. Or like the stuff that they would say to each other, like when Winter Soldier was underneath that that uh eighteen wheeler after he had kind of got knocked off, Carly had knocked him down there. And then Sam, before saving him, flies under there and has to talk shit like, man, that little girl whooped your <laughs> ass. Like, it's just... Right. I mean... <laughs> I mean, like, it was just... I mean, they... <laughs> they just... um, they, they were just so funny, man. That They've got such a sense of comedic timing and the way they do stuff. And, like, even Bucky, too. He had some great moments, too. Like, whatever... uh. Um, Battlestar and um, Walker were fighting the Wakandans, and then they're st- there. And then Sam and Bucky are kind of standing there. And then Sam is like, "We should do something." And then, and Walker was getting deboed. And then Sam, I did. Uh, um, Bucky was like, "You're looking strong, Walker. You're looking yeah. strong, John." <laughs> You're right. looking real strong. He was getting demo. Like I just like they just had me rolling, man. This whole top, or like when he was flirting with Sam's sister, like <laughs> on purpose, like yeah. just because he knew it would get a rise out of Sam. Like there was just a lot of hilarious, it's like just genuine, so natural. Moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it felt like yeah, like y'all are saying, it just felt so natural with those two. You know? Yeah. And even though I haven't seen the press for, like, this show, I have seen interviews with the two of them and Chris Evans all together, and that is also very delightful. Oh, yeah. Or when they just make fun of Tom Holland constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Call it a little for boy. For just being the worst with secrets. Well, just in general, just about everything. Anthony Mackie just constantly, just constantly ribs on on Tom Holland and I'm all there for it. Not that I have anything against Tom Holland. It's just delightful when he says that shit. <laughs> but like, no, like even going back, like, and I knew that was going to be one of the things I loved in the show, like their chemistry together, because one of my favorite things about civil war is their dialogue with each other. Like when they're fighting Spider-Man together and stuff like that, like they just have good chemistry together. And stuff like that. So I knew it was going to be good in this. And I'm just glad that they let it just happen. Like you just, they let it breathe when they needed to. And like you guys said, like they had just really genuinely funny, natural lines and dialogue and back and forth with each other. Like I kind of want to see those two do a remake of Lethal Weapon. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That would be tight. That'd be amazing. Like, you could flip it. You could have Sebastian Stan technically be the Murtaugh character who's, like, going to be the one that's going to retire and all this shit, and then Anthony Mackie's the wild card. I'd be great. <laughs> that actually is sounds perfect, yeah. Although I did see something today about how Sebastian Stan is supposed to be playing Tommy Lee in the story of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Yes, I saw the same thing. I saw the picture. Oh. He looks it a looks lot like legit. fucking Tommy Lee. He does. He really does. But, yeah. And this won't be the last time we talk about Sebastian Stan at this point. Because, spoiler alert, we're going to have to talk about one of Justin's worst movies, The Covenant, which does star Sebastian Stan. Eek! Oh, no, it happened. <laughs> There's that eek. <laughs> Was that a genuine scare for you, Justin? Yes. 
just knowing you're going to have to watch and talk about that movie. Yes. Got to talk about we arches. Exactly. That's Sebastian Stan that says that line, too. We arches. I think he was so great in I, Tanya, though, too. He was really good in that. Yeah. No, he's a good actor. I mean, I've seen Anthony Mackie and a few other things. He's good. It's just some of the things he was doing in this, I was like, ooh. Good. This is the best I've ever seen Anthony Mackie, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. He really was this character. And like, and what's cool is like, the reception from this is, is that there were people that were saying, you know what? I was not sold on him being Captain America. But after this, I fully understand why yep. he's Captain America and he deserves the shield. There were a lot of people that were not on board of course, some of that is for, you know, reasons I'm sure we don't have to get into. But some of it was they just thought story-wise it was Bucky who deserved it. But after this and after yeah. seeing him play Sam and understanding more about who Sam is and stuff like that, a lot of people came around and said, you know what? He deserves to be Cap. Like, Yeah, that's 100% um, what my feelings were. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Well, then, yeah. So, you know, firsthand, like... And I just, I'm seeing a whole lot of those feelings um, coming out from people after this. So it just speaks to how well he did. And like, yeah, any of those scenes where he was trying to talk people down, like the stuff with him and Carly, I loved those scenes. Like when they were just talking and he was like, you know, somebody says that you're a supremacist and they're going back and forth about, you know, what do you know? You Have you ever... Um, I know what it's like to lose people. Just the way that he talks, you know, that's always been like a character trait of Sam. They always talk about that. And we got to see a little bit of that in, in uh, Winter Soldier and stuff when Cap first met him. But here you got to really see it. Um, like why he's so good at that and what makes him special. Why he kind of has some of that yeah. s- special Steve Rogers sauce, you know what I mean? But in a different way, you know. Which cool. is why I think that training montage was so good, too. Yeah. I mean, very little have we actually seen any of these, like, characters, like, trained to be a superhero. Outside of, like, Iron Man practicing with his suit a couple of times and, you know, Doctor Strange learning magic, we very rarely see these guys learn how to be superheroes like to that degree i know falcon already technically in this universe was one but i'm just saying like amping like but he's also one of the few people that's a regular ass fucking person and so he's like oh i need to practice this shit yeah and no i really appreciated that and and like you said justin i really love the fact that they went into the fact that like he was a veteran counselor when cap met him and then it's like they forgot about that for every other time we've seen the Falcon until this. And I love that they brought it in. I love the fact that mm-hmm. this version of Cap, and, and there's nothing against the Steve Rogers version of it all, but like, I like the fact that this version of Cap is like, no, let's try talking about it first. We might not need to fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But then another little thing I loved, I loved that scene when, when Bucky's doing that shit and he's using his right arm and he's like, why didn't you just use your metal one? And he's like, well, I don't always think about it like that. And I am right-handed. 
Like, we all think that if you <laughs> yeah. had a metal arm, you would just use it for everything. But, like, no, if you grew up right-handed and you were right-handed, that's your natural one to go to, you wouldn't always use your left metal arm. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. You know, I just thought I liked was, that little touch with it. No, that was a nice touch. And that's another thing about Marvel. Like, just, they, they, they just think, you just feel like they think of everything. Like, they're always good about adding those touches to different things. And anytime you catch it, you just appreciate it. I mean, just like the callback to Civil War, whenever they got into the car with Sharon and, you know, Sam was in the back seat and he was like, you're not going to pull up the seat, are you? And then and then Bucky was like, nope. And, like, you remember in, in uh, Civil War when he didn't pull up the seat? Like, you know, it's just little oh, yeah. stuff like that, you know, just little stuff like that, man, that they do every time. Or, hell, how about the fact that the Wakandans built a failsafe in Bucky's arm when they built it? To where they could literally disarm him at any time. Like, mm-hmm. even that. Just the the fact that the Wakandans are thinking that much ahead. The fact that they understand, you know, he's a weapon. He killed King T'Chaka. So we got to make sure that if he ever gets out of line, we can stop him easy. So we're going to help him all right. But, you know, but just in case. You know, if we need to disarm him, we'll be able to. That's, yeah. of course they would do that. Like, when that happened, I went, of course the Wakandans would think of this. Like, and that's just somebody. Like, and that's why you feel like when you're when you're watching the Marvel stuff, it feels like it was really made by people who understand these characters inside and out and are just true fans. Like, Every feeling that you feel when you see little nuances like that, you don't get it from anything else. We just did that review of Mortal Kombat, and man, there was hardly any of that in Mortal Kombat. Right. Well, and this just will about that, Jackson. But one of the common threads with some of that stuff is the fact that you got to look at who made Mortal Kombat. That was Warner Brothers, the same people that be (laughs) fucking up the DCEU constantly, too. Damn, you're right. You're right. Also be fucking up that Godzilla and King Kong shit, too. (laughs) Having telepathic fucking skulls and shit. (laughs) Did I not catch it in... They didn't use the line in this show of on your left, right? They didn't do that in this. I don't remember hearing it, but I think that would have been funny to put in. No, they referenced that, though. They do? Okay. Um, When Sam's running, he runs on the right side of the path. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. And whenever um, he's um, got the shield that he's looking up and the Captain America picture is is next to him, it's to his left. So they do a lot of, like, imagery stuff with it, too. And I didn't recognize that. Uh, Somebody pointed that out in a meme that... That's cool. Yeah. Like in a lot of shots, Cap was to his left. So I thought that was raw. Yeah. But no, I do agree with you, Justin. Like, and I've always felt like this, though. Like, the stuff they're doing in the MCU, 
when it comes to technically the cap storyline and in in that lineage with it is some of the best shit they're doing in that like i know a lot of people give it flack but i do think captain america first avenger is one of the best phase one movies maybe second to just iron man and well i mean that's not really saying a lot but still like i love it but like winter soldier is fucking just like i said is probably my favorite mcu movie and I think Winter Soldier's or Civil War's great. I just think what they're doing with that aspect of it, and then just continuing it on in this, like this, very much feels in the same vein as those movies and the characters and everything like that. To where I think just Captain America Four is just going to be really up there. Like I really think they're going to have to try hard to fuck that up. Yeah, man. I mean, it should be like with with the way that they've done this, and it makes me want to like. It almost makes me gonna want to go and watch that Agent Carter. Like, I'm wondering if is if 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 the same if any of the same people did that than no. they did this because I haven't seen that. Oh, they haven't. Okay, well then maybe um, not. But you gotta you know. look at it like this. Uh, Ike Perlmutter was in charge of that. Now Ike Perlmutter Mutter was in charge of the MCU for a while with your phase one and a lot of phase two, but then also a lot of the issues in phase two and stuff like that are because of Ike Perlmutter. Like the reason why age of Ultron is such Mm. a fucking mess is Ike Perlmutter because, you know, like when Thor disappears halfway through to go on that cosmic Avenger adventure to find out about the infinity stones. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) Ike Perlmutter. Like that's the type of shit he does. And Notice how in like phase three, everything started getting way more cohesive. That's because Kevin Feige went over Ike Perlmutter's head to Bob Iger, the head of Disney, was like, hey, Ike Perlmutter, who's the CEO of Marvel, in general, the CEO of Marvel, he's like, he's got so much on his plate with all this other stuff and the TV shows he wants to do and all this other stuff. Like, let him just focus on the TV shows and the comics and all that. I'll do the MCU. And Bob Iger, who, for all intents and purposes, is a genius, went, sure, Kevin Feige, do that. And then that's what changed the MCU forever. Like, I know a lot of people were still on board with the MCU, you know, through phases one and two, but it it got a lot better in phase three. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Even though I have a lot of issues with this stuff, I have a lot of issues with those last two Avengers films and getting burned out with them and all this other stuff. But I still won't sit there, like won't sit here and say that Kevin Feige ultimately doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, Kevin Feige obviously knows what the fuck he's doing. So I might not always agree with it or anything like that, but he knows what he's doing. I don't like Avengers Endgame, but fuck that movie for a period of time was the number one movie of all time until Avatar cheated and got released for like a fifth time. (laughs) <laughs> I heard about that. Yeah. Which that's all they're going to do before they do Avengers 4 or whatever the fuck they're going to call the next Avengers movie. Man, they're just going to release Endgame again and just get number one again. Come on. You know they're going to do that shit. Yep. Yep. I mean, and also at the same time, it's not like Disney cares. They own both of them. Disney owns Avatar and 
in game. They don't give a fuck which one's number one. They will constantly re-release both of them to where they're both continually number one. Yep. <laughs> also, though, who the fuck's going and seeing Avatar again, really? Come the fuck on, guys. Do you really need to see Avatar again? No. Right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if you've seen that movie twice, you've seen the fucking movie, quit watching it. It has no more value. It really doesn't. If if you really think about it, it's just weird. Like, those aliens fuck other animals with their ponytails. It's weird. <laughs> quit watching it. But I say that we still got Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 97 all coming out soon ish. Oh boy. Yeah. Ugh. I think that I think we're getting at least three more of them starting next year. I think 2022, 23, and 24, we're getting an Avatar movie in each one of those years. Or they might not skip every other year. <laughs> yeah. No one should be. I've got just who the fuck wants that? Really? Who wants it? Yeah. I don't think it's going to do half as good as the other one. I mean, the audience is just so different now. Like, people have just changed so much. Like, I I just don't know. I mean, we'll see. But, man, I, I just don't know if the hype for that will be anything, anything like it was. But I could be wrong. Who knows? I just don't know who the fuck wants to watch that again. Like I said, I don't know how anybody watches those movies more than twice. Because after the second time of watching it, yeah, especially for the time, those were visually breathtaking movies. But also, how do you watch it more than twice and not realize that that plot is the most basic-ass plot that's been done 990,000 times It is ultimately fucking boring this time around, too. Like, we all saw Disney's Pocahontas. It's the same fucking movie. We all saw Dances with Wolves, or everybody should have. That's a great movie. But it's the same fucking plot as that. Well, the interesting thing is that it's... I feel like when it first came out, it was so massive. It was such a big deal. Everybody was like, oh, this is amazing. But you don't, I don't at least hear anybody talk about it still as if it is. There's other movies that people still talk about that are like, oh yeah, that movie's still so great. With Avatar, I feel like people are worn off on the initial like high of what that movie was. And the only thing that I ever hear now about that movie is that it was overrated. (laughs) Yeah, you do hear that a lot. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't a big selling point, the visual effects. Yeah. Yeah. I remember at the time it it being like this. Yeah. Because I remember at the time it was, it was about the 3d and, Oh, it's going to be these spectacular, like, you know, groundbreaking special effects. And so part of it was that, you know, you, you were curious, you wanted to see this movie with the 3d and, it, you you couldn't wait to get in there and see how it looked. And that was what it was about. It was like, oh, man, look at these graphics, yo. But, I mean, <laughs> how are you going to emulate that now? 
What's going to bring well, them back now that you don't have that gimmick? I mean, are they going to bring back the gimmick? And if so, are people going to be receptive to that like they were then, you know? I don't think they're bringing back 3D for this one. But I know one reason why it took so long for them to make this is because apparently a lot of the, at least the second one is going to take place underwater. And so they had to wait for the graphical technology to catch up for them to do essentially that movie underwater in a lot of ways, you know, and to make it as realistic and natural as they could and all this other shit. And that's cool and all, I guess. But once <laughs> again, it's going to be one of those movies that you're going to watch it once and probably go, man, that was visually spectacular. And then you're going to watch it again and go, it's visually spectacular, but fuck, it sucked. <laughs> it's going to be the same thing. And they're probably going to do the same thing for the third one. You're going to be like, man, that's visually spectacular. Then you watch it again and you go, man, that's visually spectacular, but it fucking sucks. It's just going to be that over and over again. And I mean, it's it just reminds me so much, though. It's like the graphics of that movie. If you go watch it now, it looks fine. But, like, there's some issues that we wouldn't have now if they had made it now. And especially when it's mixing the live action and the animation and stuff. And it's just one of those things. It always just reminds me of video game consoles. When it's, like, you go back and you look at, like, PlayStation 2 graphics. And they're, like, talking about how groundbreaking and visually spectacular a game is. And you go look at it now and you're, like, that game looks like fucking garbage. <laughs> Yeah. My mobile phone is better than that. Fuck that shit. It's the same type of shit, though, unfortunately. You go back and look at Avatar now, and like I said, they've got issues that you wouldn't have now. And you're just like, yep, just like everything else. And that's sometimes the problem when you over-rely on technology for some of that stuff is at a certain point, you're always going to end up looking dated. You know? Yeah. And it just feels like the easiest way for people to lose interest. Like if the story isn't compelling and you didn't have all these other elements, which I mean, the Avatar story, it, it's okay. But like, like you said, we've just seen versions of it before. But if the only thing bringing you back is something happening visually, then I think that that just runs its course very quickly. It was just a big craze because everybody had to get in there and see it. And then it just... And then it had some stay in power because, you know, there were just people who were late to the show, but people would go back and be like, oh, you got to see these visual effects. And it was kind of unique because at that time it was the only film that offered that. But after a while, it's just, but I mean, now it, it would seem like kind of just run of the mill now, now that you got IMAX theaters and you got this, that, and the other. I mean, I just don't know how much of a draw that that's going to be, you know, um, one of my, um, Dr. Tom, uh, a guy named Dr. Tom, and he, he was, a uh, an, a big, uh, wrestling trainer. Um, and he, and he trained like the rock and he trained other people and stuff like that. So he trained a lot of famous like wrestlers and people like that. Well, he told this story and I think it kind of applies to this a little bit, but like, you know, he was telling us about wrestling and stuff, and I went to one of his camps, and he was talking about how, you know, the, the you, you got to understand and you got to learn how to be fresh because, you know, this is show business and stuff like that. And, like, the you know, you can do something once, 
and you can have this gimmick and you can do something once. And at first people will be excited about it. But after a while, if you just keep showing them the same thing and they keep seeing the same thing over and over, that gimmick just becomes uninteresting. And he had this analogy and he was like, you know, like, let's just say you're, you got these two, you're, this family driving down the street and then there are these two elephants having sex. And, and then they drive by and go, oh, my God, look, those two elephants are having sex. And then let's just say next week comes and then they're there again. And then you're like, oh, huh, man, those elephants, they're going at it again. And then he's like around the third or fourth or fifth time, you're just like, oh, the elef elephants are having sex again. You know, and then it's not cool anymore. Like, it's just after a while, it's just it's just run of the mill. And I don't know. I feel like that kind of applies to this. Like, we have seen so visual technology has just made so many leaps and bounds. I mean, this would have to be some incredible visuals to get uh, to kind of have that gimmick and still have the the same success that it had. But, you know, but we'll see. Since we're going underwater and shit, I guess we'll see. Do you know what's kind of boring, though? A bunch of people underwater. <laughs> I mean, it, I thought that shit ended in the 80s when they did, like, The Abyss and all the other underwater movies. Why do we need more of them? I don't It's I don't know. We don't need to talk about this anymore. Fuck Avatar. We don't. Anyway, you guys got any final thoughts about Captain the Winter Soldier? Or, fuck. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> uh, no. No, I think we hit everything. Oh, one last thing. In his speech, and this won't be long, but that part of the speech when he was like, everybody needs to have a seat at the table whenever decisions are being made about people that it's affecting badass badass mm -hmm. when he said that who's making these decisions for these people is it people is it the people you're impacting or is it just more people like yeah. you that was great when he said that that shit is true like that's that was tight when he said that okay that's it i promise <laughs> all right no good that's a good last little stinger um on that note, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Simulslayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.simulslayers.com or Facebook where we're Simulslayers podcast, Twitter and Instagram where we're cinema underscore slayers. Uh, thanks again to Plug Migo for our theme song. And, you know, uh, make sure you leave us a rating and review, especially five stars. We really appreciate that. It really helps us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your mothers especially about this episode because we all know mothers love Falcons and me. So it's like a double whammy of why mothers should listen to this episode. And, uh, just as always, just remember, according to Justin moon Knight is a best picture winner. Truly inspired, Justin. <laughs>